passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Here's a sample of a free podcast from the Post Wrestling Cafe. $6 gets you through the door at postwrestlingcafe.com. As if they don't have too much on their place. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wayne. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Yes, it is Rewind to SmackDown as we are color-coordinated for the Blue Show. I am John Pollock alongside the Toronto Blue Jays' own Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. That's right. Yes. Uh, in memory of the Toronto Blue Jays 2023 season. What a season I, it was. Of which I've seen zero games. Well, that's um, that's uh, that was their season in a nutshell. They they played what 162 games to uh, lose two, and they're out of the season. That's how it works. At least they got the extra two, right? I don't count these wild card series as making the playoffs. I know it technically is the playoffs now, but mm-hmm. it's such a nothing series in the grand scheme of things. I think you have to win the wild card series to be really in the real playoffs, which it's, I consider it, going down now. It's almost like a qualifier. It you know? is. It's like a playoff game. Or it's it's like yeah. when they would be uh they'd have to play one final game at the end of the season to determine yeah. the tie. Title eliminator, as as wrestling would call them. Yeah. So anyway. Um yeah, the Blue Jays are all blowing up. There's a front office uh, strife. There is? Knows. Okay. Uh, just regular stuff going on. Right. What are you up to? What's uh what's what's the word? Man, uh I just finished the Beckham documentary. Or oh. like a series on, on Netflix. That's, I highly recommend it. It's very play. fascinating. Yes, yes. What other Beckhams are there that you know of? Um I don't know any other Beckhams. Yes. So yes, the soccer player. Or the football player. Football. Yeah. As most of the world would Is it in. just the one documentary? Is it a series? It's like a four part, like hour long episodes. Like very much in the style of The Last Dance, but I mean, totally, you know, like different style production. But I would say I think Netflix is trying to capture maybe a similar, you know, type of buzz with with like another very, I guess, beloved or maybe, you know, much talked about celebrated sports figure. Is he involved with producing it? That I don't know. I actually don't know much about it. I feel all all of these major sports documentaries 
the people are involved themselves. But I could be wrong. I have no idea. I haven't seen anything about this. I mean, I guess, you know, with a certain level, like with that, the amount of involvement that they have and the amount of access that they have to, to him, I, I have to imagine there's some sort of agreement. But I, I don't know the extent of it. You know who actually um, is part of the people that put it together? Um, what's the dude that played Hugo in Succession? Uh, oh, I don't know his name, but okay, he was involved in it. Fisher Stevens, yeah. I didn't know this, but he's actually a very accomplished documentarian. He's actually won an Academy Award for documentary filmmaking. So he's uh, he does the interviews. I'm, I'm not, I, yeah, I really should have done more research before talking about this, but you can hear him, like, you know, ask the questions throughout. I have to assume he, he did a whole lot for, uh, might have even directed it, I would assume, as well. So anyway, so he's, the, he's the filmmaker. Highly, highly recommended. He's the director, yes. How fast did you watch it in the four parts? Oh, I think I spread it over like two or three nights. Two or three nights. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to catch up on Survivor. It's been a mess. Really? Why? What's 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 the difference between this year? Well, it's not so much the show itself. It's my 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 cable box is messing up on us. We've had it for a number of years now. So it didn't record the first week. So we had to watch it on 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 the app on the uh, on the website for the television station. Mm-hmm. So they've built in every fifteen minutes. There's a block of four ads. Okay, mm, you yeah. got to sit through four thirty second ads. Mm-hmm. Now, do they mix up the ads? No, it's the same commercial four times that I've got to sit through. That yeah. only guarantees I will never be a client of this product. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. I just I test it so much. It's like, I feel so uh, like I've been kidnapped to sit through this commercial. Well, it means they haven't sold whatever inventory that they have, you know, for these ads. And so they typically just, uh, you know, run the same ad several times or um, like oftentimes it'd be like uh, City TV presents holiday movies, you know, and and you see the same damn thing, you know. Well, this is the same 30 second commercial for an insurance company. Yeah. Four times in a row, like five (laughs) times during the hour. And then the bastards. It's they do the big reveal at the end, and then you've got 60 seconds of the show left for scenes from the next survivor where the person voted out gives their speech. And they put a break there. They shoehorn Ooh. two minutes of ads for the final 60 seconds. I'm like, you assholes. Ooh, like, I, I just, it Sweet. leaves me with such a negative viewer feeling at the end. Like, I yeah. would do anything to not support this, this network, this industry. So believe it or not, this is like something I think about often and something I actually deal with like on a daily basis. You know what? To- you, can, you can compare it to us. Everyone can fast forward through the ads. I appreciate those that do listen and God forbid people that might even uh, support some of the people that help bring the show to you. But it's not as though we've locked it. So you have to listen to the ad. Well, YouTube, Who is in the listener? Well, but on YouTube, you do have to on YouTube. Like on YouTube, you unless you have a YouTube Premium, you can't. Which I do actually, but like you know, you unless YouTube you Premium, yeah, I do. Yeah, I got. I it don't mind it as much. It's a, I got what it through are we a VPN. To or, say, Twelve seconds. Twelve seconds of a YouTube. It depends. Ad it varies. You, you uh, is it two minutes that you have to sit through? No, never two minutes. So. No, yeah, I don't it think it's never two minutes. Wait, it is about twelve seconds. And okay, I don't know. I I don't mind YouTube ads actually as much. I'm more just used to it, and it's it's a minimal ask. 
I guess my point is, you know, I think about it often because I have to determine where to place the ads often, you know, like after every show. And it's a real fine balance you have to make. OK, like and this is something I like we did back in television. It was one of my first things, you know, that I had to do as an intern is to put commercial breaks into Ring of Honor DVDs, basically, because we had to broadcast them. Right. So you have to determine and you have to use some sense to think about. How can you get somebody in long enough that they're settled before you introduce your first commercial break? And this is also part of the strategy of like, you know, making the first 30 minutes commercial free like you saw on Tuesday. You want people to, to settle in. Once they're settled in, then you, you, you know, maybe show them a commercial. Um, so they would often tell us like, leave, you know, the first chunk long so that, yeah, people can just like stay there, watch it. And then throw in maybe a commercial break. And then um, once people are settled in, then you can just let them up because then they're not going anywhere anyway. No, but um, captured them. There's a different strategy. But like, yeah, it's 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 something I think about often. I don't don't even know if there's like necessarily a right answer for it. Did you ever play the same commercial four times in a row? Well, that I'm not in charge of. Like that depended if we had sold the ad space. If we hadn't sold the ad space. Yeah. Some of those Zion's ads, I'm willing to bet we played them several times. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Hughes with his country breakfast. Remember that all science that ad? Yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's the latest on ads. So uh, to spare everyone, no ads on this show tonight. Not on this one. That's why you're here. Not on this one. All you, Not on uh, Mondays or Wednesdays too, at least on the audio version for those of you um, who are subscribed. That's right. This is, this is the no ad club. Yes, it is. On the cafe. So – uh thank you to all joining us tonight uh we will mention that uh this weekend we have royal quest three that is coming up on saturday that is going to feature karen peterson and bruce lord with uh pretty much their weekly new japan show review and then also collision course with john Cena and kate from montreal coming back sunday rich fan and wh park will review episode number three is it two or three two two of mm-hmm. loki and as well capping off your weekend the NWA podcast is back with Chris, Nate, and Andrew, as everyone can look forward to that Sunday evening, 8 Eastern, for everybody here at Post Wrestling. And those guys have a lot to talk about this month. Um, and as always, maybe a, a bit of discussion about the Muffin Man himself. So, yeah, at the YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling 8 p.m. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and never miss a show as we are going to be getting into all things SmackDown related, but uh, just a few news items because, wait, it has been all the way since Tuesday that we last talked. I, I, know. I barely remembered you when I logged in today, what you this look is, like. This is weird. Yeah, I know. Well, um, what have you thought of the fallout from the Tuesday night battle, the ratings results, and the very level-headed um, reactions uh, from various uh, sides? You, you've weighed in on, on some of this. Let me, let me tell you, everybody, one thing. If ever... I was going to go at way. I'm never, ever doing it on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> he is, dude, he is an artist yeah. when it comes to carving out, or I should say chopping down uh, some person coming at him. I would never fight you in that arena. It's just, uh, it just could not be done way. You are really good on Twitter. <laughs> I don't even know what that means to be really good on, on Twitter. I mean, I, I don't tweet that that often, like unless it's it's for promotion. But sometimes I feel inspired to say something. And and I guess this was one of those cases, because, again, I'm somebody who thinks a lot about like, you know, like 
how people come across to the public. I mean, I, I have to think about that for our business, you know, and I have to think about it as we criticize, a, you know, a professional wrestling company. And I thought the way he's he's been handling himself on social media this week, honestly, has been. Well, um, well let's let's recap. He being sure. Tony Khan. And so the, yeah. the ratings came out on on Wednesday. And if you want a detailed analysis, myself and Brandon did go live on Wednesday. So we'll kind of a uh, the, the actual ratings analysis. You can go there. But in essence, it was like it was a big win for for NXT, especially in total viewers in 18 to 49. It was narrower. It was a point three zero to a point two six that I do not look at as as a failure uh, mm-hmm. for AEW. The fact that they did a point two six on the unfamiliar night and the fact that you had. A, com- a combination of these two audience on a Tuesday night against uh, a Major League Baseball playoff game, the start of the NHL season. I looked at these numbers as nothing to be um, too downtrodden over um, if you are the AEW side. And I think for a, I think for NXT, I mean, it showed you um, what an enormously promoted show, uh, what you can generate. And they did a massive number. This was their most watched NXT since they since September of 2019 to uh, put that into perspective. And they're in way less cable homes today than they were four years ago. So mm-hmm. a, a very impressive number, um, which, I mean, I, w- I wasn't going to point that out that, you know, if you do take into account the cable homes, that would probably, you know, if you adjust to 2019 levels, that would technically put NXT over a million, wouldn't it? I, I guess there's inflation when it comes to um, these sort of TV ratings too, isn't there? Well, we won't get into that, but I guess uh, the... What do we call this? The the X in question? I don't know. And I, I don't know if there's a consensus about it. Um, the post? No, uh, that's our I word. I guess so. Elon yeah. doesn't get that too. Well, yeah. anyway, Tony Khan, um, you know, th- this week he was, he was very, um, he had his phone very close to him. He was on, he was on X for a good amount of the week. And uh, one of his it, tweets was his birthday. Week. It was his birthday on Tuesday, yeah. best birthday of his life. And he noted that, Two legendary streaks came to an end this week, and that was The Undertaker and John Cena appearing on a show that did not do a million viewers or 400,000 in the demo, which to his knowledge is the first time that has ever happened to The Undertaker and John Cena with the uh, the four best words for, for any, uh, any person uh, launching a subtle attack, with all due respect. And mm. I don't know, I... I took this at first as sort of him just being in jest here, um, but he was certainly, I mean, roundly criticized. I think not. Can you explain the jest part of it? I mean, it's just it's such a common um, it's it's such a common reaction that I see personally of everyone that is so fixated on AEW hitting. Well, it wasn't a million viewers when they hit like a 950 or so. It's always the million viewers is some like this grand achievement. So I almost took it as him making his own Tony Khan type of joke in that way. Um, But regardless, I I thought that this was just, I mean, not a great uh, reaction to things. And he totally opened himself for all the criticism that came his way. I also think this guy is very much of the idea of, Tweet something absolutely insane that's going to get people's attention. And then, boom, within less than an hour, we're making a match announcement. And this is his idea of promotion. And you can argue whether that's an effective form of promotion or not. But a lot of the discussion this week was not about next week's Dynamite or this weekend's Collision, where you have a huge match with Danielson and Christian. The discussion is mainly about Tony Khan's tweets. And I don't think anyone's tuning into a show because of your 
the head of your company and what he's tweeting. Yeah. You know, just to maybe like backtrack just a little bit, you know, like even, even let's just say that's his strategy, you know, say something controversial, get, get it blown up, maybe get it ratioed and then um, tweet about a match and promote the match. I never think it's ever a good idea to mortgage your public favor for attention. That sounds so stupid to me. Um, I and I, I for his benefit, I hope that that's not his strategy. Because uh, if it is, I think there's it's just like one of several um, instances of of this company really needing to question, you know, um, how he views promotion, and specifically social media promotion. Because I think the man is a very good booker. He's a terrific professional wrestling booker. Um, but when it comes to like. This past week in particular, I think even prior to this, like there have been instances. Yes, we remember like the big swole thing, um, but, but like for for the most part, he just kind of like he's fine. But for whatever reason, this NXT battle on Tuesday has really kind of like it set him off like in a different way in the lead up to it. And it, it's not just, you know, a, 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 an X like this. It's um <laughs> I, what was it like, you know, posting the, the Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, gifs, you know, like um uh a whole lot of other things that i ultimately like again it's fun it's it's definitely fun to follow it's fun to talk about but i think it's very unbecoming of somebody who should be the leader of a promotion um the boss you know the the the, the captain of the entire ship like this is the type of shit posting that you should leave to i don't know um i'm trying to think um uh Giff, griff garrison you know, or like, I don't know, it's just some, somebody else that's that's affiliated with you, but could take the bullets. You should not be taking those shots as, as the captain. And if you are going to, you better make sure that you know how to do it properly. And this guy does not. You know, he like he thinks he's being clever like that. The, the jest that you were trying to explain, John, how many people would understand that? What fraction of the audience is he is he speaking to that would understand, you know, the whole million conversation that would understand the joke? And especially in as poor of a way that he, as as he worded it here. Well, I'll say this about Tony Khan. I, I don't think that th- there's I understand the the need that you want to give off this, this presentation that you are that the head of this big company and that you're very professional. I can also look at it from, from the sense of when, when we talk about with, with MMA and I think Scott Coker is like a tremendous promoter. I think, I think he is the kind of guy you were, you are never going to worry about him saying something that's going to embarrass you. If you're Viacom, if you're Bellator, he's very professional. He is very fair. He has got, you know, fighters that all speak very glowingly of the guy. He is also someone that is never going to excite you with an interview that he's going to do or like, and that is part of the job of a promoter is to garner attention. And you can ask a hundred different people, what is the best form of attracting attention? And it's all philosophy and everyone's going to have different answers. And one answer, like you and I could do the exact same thing. And, People might be way more receptive to the way Wei presents something than me. Odds are he would be. And like that comes down to the personality. Tony Khan is, is not the best public figure. And I think people can very much see that in his interviews. And the fact that we see all these different variations of him, like here we get the person that is, you know, this 
member of the Jacksonville Jaguars ownership who is very by the book on these media calls. He's very guarded about information. And then we see this dude who just goes to town online and it's as though we're seeing a different personality. And I think people just get confused of like where, you know, it's like he has different voices for different mediums. And I think that sometimes it's also the fact is with AEW being cooler now, I think that it it now it cooler in a negative criticism. Way. It's not Hold like it. he was not doing this stuff prior. Like when he was bringing up stuff on Twitter, when he was winning, it was you know presented as like this is a quirky aspect of Tony Khan. And now that they are they are cooler, it's looking as a guy that's kind of losing it. And I think it's it's neither extreme. I mean, I I I'm trying to think back like to when they were winning and thinking of of examples like like we might have seen over the past week. You know, like, uh, and, and I, 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 my memory is not the best, you know, as people know. I mean, if you go back to when they did that head to head battle back in 2021, the Friday Mm -hmm. night, I mean, he was, he was garnering this kind of attention, even remember that time. And by this point, the, the head to head battle may have been over, but um, you know, just the way he went on about like the bots that are all coming after them and stuff. And for all we know, like, we don't know how true or untrue that was they never revealed like this this study or whatever they did that went into it but mm-hmm. take that same argument today and mm-hmm. he's arguing about twitter bots even if it's legit how does that come across today versus two years ago sure. there's a different perception when you are perceived as the number two company instead of the hot rising alternative that they have somewhat lost that image right now it feels like he's complaining about losing what we all perceive to be Okay, so I'm not going to say a fair fight because they had The Undertaker and John Cena on their show, but we all knew the terms going into battle, right? Okay, you were going to throw your best thing. NXT was going to throw their best thing. Tony Khan was going to ask for, uh, you know, a, 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 what is it, an overrun. They're going to give him four extra minutes. He's going to do Minoru Suzuki versus Eddie Kings. Everybody was throwing everything they had into the show. Mm-hmm. So from that sense, we knew what the terms of battle were. And from that sense, it was fair. To Now, the Cena-Taker tweet afterwards just or not, it came across to many people like it was complaining about unfair rules after the fact, after you had already agreed to the terms. And this might be, you know, to what you're saying, um, it just makes them look bad after losing a battle and complaining about why you lost. Um, I think he should have just taken it, you know? And more, more importantly than that, beyond all of this, I feel like he's tweeting emotionally. And again, as the head of a, of a major company, when you have so many people that are relying on your public image for their livelihood, you should not be using social media like that. It's very irresponsible. Yeah, it's, you know, you can, I, I can certainly see when you have people like um, Kenny Omega and Adam Copeland who are out there talking about how, you know, we're all happy for each other. We don't have this anger against the other side like you fans do. It's like, Okay, you can lecture your audience about how they act online, but at the same time, it's like from the top down, and this is on both sides, both sides, uh, you you see this this competitive battle um, where that very much is the case, that they are in this fight and they are not just happy to be participants in this game. Like they are they are playing for keeps. This Tuesday was, you know, evidence of that from both sides. And I don't even discourage that. I think sometimes people are a little too sensitive to the fact that yeah, you are going to have warring fan bases here. It can get out of control, but there's also a excitement to it that it helps the industry. 
that it's, you know, it's my team against yours. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's always, it's not always going to generate the most enlightening takes from people online, but that is what we are creating here and trying to recreate a period that is so romanticized to this audience of the late nineties that if only we could go back to that. Well, here's as close as you're going to get to it. And this is what comes with it is like, yeah, fans are going to be very competitive as are your people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you head into a, like you know a very tense matchup, okay? Um, David Beckham versus uh, <laughs> I'm trying to pull out a a football reference. Soccer Zinedine reference. Zidane. They actually teamed up together. They were on the same team for oh, a were they? period. Okay. Yeah, they, they probably opposed each other at some point too. Anyway, you head into a big, you know, uh, high stakes, um, you know, World Cup qualifying match. All right, uh, things are tense, things are heated, but after the match, you line up. You exchange your jerseys, you shake your hands and say, hey, good game. Let's let's I'm going to get you next time. That sort of sentiment. And and it's just I mean, it's probably just because we're we're in such a I don't know, contentious like world where it has to be this or it has to be other. But I really wish it was more like these companies could just shake their hands and be like, good game. Let's duke it out again. What in, in November when this has to happen again? Yeah, well, I mean. We're not getting that way. We're not. We're not. Like, but I think and, uh, remember, frankly, remember like, Hunter. Remember Hunter's response was, "What is it? It, it's not a marathon, not a race." And he didn't he congratulate or like AEW on that first weekend. That's I mean, I I recall the the comment about the pissant company and to Ariel Hawani. Yeah, so what? You beat our devel- developmental group. Group, big deal. <laughs> Fine. I mean, okay. it, it, it it goes both ways. They've been dismissive of each other. Um, you know what? And. No, and and there's a lot of the fan base like they, they want to see this this kind of thing as well. But sure. I I do feel as a whole this week like I wasn't so much as like if it was like one tweet here or there. But I just think overall, um, I hope personally uh, that that Tony Khan is taking this in stride because I think we've seen a history of promoters that they're on top and then they're they see business go down and they start to just lose sight of what this is and i hope he is not at at that stage it's always been a concern of this guy um not so much just like losing control but a burnout factor and Mm -hmm. here he is producing all of this television and it's it's one thing when you're working all of those hours and you're yielding the results that you desire it's quite another when you're putting in the exact same if not more hours and you're getting less results for the same amount of work that can be very difficult to rationalize and something like tuesday i'm sure he would have taken great pride if they they could have won that and i think if he has level-headed people around him I think you look objectively at a 0.26 on your Tuesday night, uh, what you were up against. And I think you take solace with that, that yes, we did not beat them, but uh, we were not blown out either. And not to be coming back next week with a reactionary book show um, and and more so looking. And that's one thing I will say about both shows on Tuesday. And then we can move on is that, Dynamite had its show that was building to the future. And I wouldn't say they just hot-shotted anything just for Tuesday. And even for NXT, you can argue all the names were certainly a, a hot-shotting tactic. But they were all linked to younger talents. They were building up Halloween Havoc. Like, no one was there to just be even Braun Breaker. Like, yes, he was in the spot to just take the choke slam, But I really don't feel this was, like, um, a terrible moment for Braun Breaker it was closer to what we saw with the raw anniversary show at the beginning of this year, where it was very different, where you had 
the the talent from the past come back, but it was the current talent that was still featured in a prominent spot. So I thought both shows, it was not a case of just um, booking for the night, but rather booking for weeks from now as well on top of it. I, I, I think it was both, John. Like, I definitely think they were booking for the night, but while they had the Undertaker there, they're going to have him walk out with Carmelo Hayes at the end, you know? Like, they were definitely booking to beat AEW. That was their Oh, oh yeah. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it was not done in just such a way in where a vacuum. the NXT right. talent came off as so secondary to the stars that were there that night. And next yeah. week, we're watching, like, the, the replacement team instead of the real stars. It's And there will be some of that. I'm not going to – like, next week for NXT, are they going to retain this huge audience that they had? Mm-hmm. Are they coming back next Tuesday? We don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Well, there are some of uh, the, the thoughts there. Um, let's chat about a, a few more things here. Um, Davy Boy Smith Jr. He is actually uh, in hospital. He had to go through uh, an emergency surgery on Wednesday when he had appendicitis and had part of his colon removed. It turned out he had diverticulitis as well. He called this one of the most painful experiences of his life. Um, and this is why he's off of the MLW slaughterhouse card on Saturday night. You imagine this guy in this emergency room is like, I got to get out for Slaughterhouse. <laughs> Sir, what is Slaughterhouse? Uh, you are not going anywhere. So Tom Lawler is replacing him. And uh, Harry Smith stated on the pain scale, on a scale of one to 10, this was a 12. So um, oh best wishes to Harry Smith here. Like, this, you know, this is a, that's no joke. And having part of his colon removed and dealing with diverticulitis. So he could be, he could be on the shelf for it's, some time. It's something I would never, ever want uh, to experience for myself, nor anybody that I even know um, between this and what I've heard from others like Brock Lesnar who have suffered from it. I mean, when we're talking about tough, tough men who have been through a lot in their own physical training as athletes, you know, talking about this had diverticulitis, talking about this being the worst pain that they've ever felt, I, I, I can only imagine. Earlier this week, uh, Ari Emanuel spoke at this uh, Bloomberg conference, and he spoke about the uh, the rights increase for SmackDown, and also about the the TKO stock. And he he noted the fact that uh, it was several factors that he believes have contributed to this. And he mentioned the fact that there's plenty of interest in Raw right now, and thinks it's among like the big rights that are out there. But he said that there's three things that happened that have affected the stock. He said that they thought. Uh, that he feels the the investment community thinks that raw was the best package. And even though he feels the 40% increase was in line with expectations. Number two, he cited the PFL situation, which was the Saudi Arabian group that has invested in the PFL, which scared wall street that Saudi Arabia was just going to pump in all this money into the PFL. And this week UFC announcing their own deal with Saudi Arabia that uh, surprised some. And number three, the number three reason uh, our stock could be down Vince McMahon, uh, he said that he's 78 years old. He's been working at this for decades, and uh, he wanted to be able to put at any point his stock, which I don't quite understand. I, I didn't hear the the interview, so I, I didn't hear it in context there. But mm-hmm. uh, looking at those reasons for affecting the stock, which uh, was down almost 3% again today. So this TKO stock, it's not uh, rebounding, and maybe um, – Maybe once the the raw deal comes out, there will be more expectation once they have a sense of what that deal is going to bring them. Um, but I mean, Brandon Thurston, he's he's very high on the idea of raw rights not coming around until this NBA deal is mm-hmm. sorted because that's going to handcuff so many of these 
uh, networks in terms of their like what money they're earmarking for the NBA, which is going to take great precedence over Raw and what they have left and mm -hmm. where these networks are going to be. Ones that are left out in the cold without NBA. Well, they have a lot of budget left and, and maybe Raw can benefit from that. Yeah. First, shout out to Andrew Thompson, who um, was responsible for, I think, spreading uh, this to a lot of uh, wrestling spheres. I, I see, saw a lot of people using his transcription. So um, Andrew Thompson is, again, the GOAT uh, when it comes to finding... In the middle of the night, tracking this down as well. Yeah. So shout out Andrew for, for this. Um, I... I saw a lot of people obviously focus on, on the Vince portion of, of this quote. And I, I don't, because even you, John, you know, might have trouble maybe interpreting something like this. I definitely feel like a lot of people might've also misinterpreted. I mean, a lot of the headlines we ended up seeing co coming out of this was um, Vince McMahon or sorry, uh, Ari Emanuel blames Vince McMahon for, you know, um, uh, you know, a TKO stock going down uh, something to that effect. I've tried to understand maybe like what, what he, he he's meaning here and i i don't know if we should necessarily look at it as like him being derogatory or at least like insulting vince like how did how did you sense it because the way i, I really want to hear it because like again reading this it's like it, it's kind of like a jumbled sentence here that i i wouldn't be able to like leap to a conclusion on like what he meant by this i mean it's it's clear like something in vince's deal regarding his stock he sees as a liability to to the stock but I, I don't think at the same time, Ari Emanuel would be so brazen as to just uh, put his number two under the bus in a situation like this in a very public setting. So, so I, I'm so with this, you. I, so this along with, uh, you know, reports that are out there that like um, I saw people write like what uh, Triple H has been knighted, like or at least like whatever that means, you know, like put in charge of creative um, are letting a lot of people basically infer that like Vince is being ousted from the company and, and, and all which is stuff. not the case. I mean, yeah. I I did ask one person like um in the in the company this week just about like the Vince like like creative situation and was just told that this is from one person that yeah he he's backed off creative entirely around three weeks ago or so and added we'll see if it lasts which seems okay. to be the sentiment of yes mm -hmm. it seems like he is the hands are off uh, the wheel when it comes to creative and that Paul Levesque is steering things. But again, that like Vince McMahon is the number two person in TKO. And if he has such a desire to insert himself, well, he is going to outrank everybody on the WWE side of things. And right. Yeah. So that at, be... at, at least one other interpretation I've seen of this is that um, he could be saying that because Vince is getting older and because he has the ability to basically leave the company at any point. He he could be saying that that is what might be negatively affecting the stock, the fact that he could be gone. And stockholders, uh, traditionally, at least we've known, have really relied on the stability of, of having a Vince McMahon around in order to have confidence in the company. So in that sense, it might actually be, I don't know, a compliment to, to Vince. Um, again, I have not heard the quote either. So um, I, we will, and I'm sure uh, the fine folks at uh, WrestleNomics Radio will this weekend uh, be talking about this as well. He was also asked about his changing opinion on working with Saudi Arabia. And he said that uh, I didn't want them referring to Saudi Arabia at the time. We weren't public in our investors stack. OK, I said it on many podcasts about my feelings about the situation. I didn't say we would never be doing business in Saudi. I just didn't want them in the financial stack of our investors. We distribute their now soccer league through IMG because of WWE. We're in business with them for at least five years, two events a year. Great. They just bought an event from us for the UFC. Great price. We're doing the event. It'll be an unbelievable card. So I just, at the time, didn't feel comfortable for many reasons, which has been stated. But we're in business with them now. 
but we're in business with them now. So that's simple. It's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. Sure. <laughs> we turned back $400 million. Now we're in business with them. It's just that simple. I can't begin to comprehend like what somebody in the position of an Ario Emanuel, like I has to, I guess, navigate with, with, I think his position. Um, I, I believe for him, it was probably, despite maybe the amount of money that he was giving away, uh, from a PR perspective, probably beneficial to him to deny that money at that time. But now, I mean, it's relatively not, um, I guess, a hot button issue. I think the the audience um, for, you know, kind of sad, sadly, has just kind of accepted that, like, major companies are going to be working with Saudi Arabia uh, as part of our entertainment um, and beyond that, he purchased the WWE who's already who, who can't get out of this deal. So once those shackles are off, well, what else are you really protecting about your public image? So, I mean, the, it's business, you know, like it's sad to say. It, it feels like a, a defeatist attitude to look at. But I mean, mm-hmm. there is like this this level of running a business and a, and a publicly traded one. It really needs leaves no avenue for ethical decisions that are going to trump profitability and that mm-hmm. Ari Emanuel would be doing a disservice to his company if millions of dollars are being offered from Saudi Arabia. And the only thing that is holding you from uh, profiting off of that is a moral judgment. And I, you know, you, you can look at it any way you want. I, I still look at the fact that in all of that, you know, th- there was a lot of people that were very much uh, aghast at what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. He did something at, at that time that I think very, very few people in that position would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that doesn't disqualify that for me. I'm not by any means saying Ari Emanuel is a saint um, mm-hmm. by any stretch. But the fact is he did something and has talked about the fact like he feared for his life uh, after that. So it's not as though he just did something that had, you know, just business ramifications. It had personal ones, uh, too, for him. And mm-hmm. if you're in this situation, um if you're going to be making those moral judgments, you're not going to be someone that's going to be wanted in these positions um, that like, this is just where things go. And it's um, sometimes I think I wish there would be sometimes more of a, more of a value attached to moral e- efficacy, but mm-hmm. that that's not the reality we live in. And that's kind of like just burying your head in the sand, especially again, sad to say, especially for the audience that consumes the products that he's in charge of. Yeah, like way if you saw the the reactions this week uh, and compare it to like the, like uh, other than like uh some media people like it was like a nothing case of like the UFC going to Saudi Arabia. Like there was not some mm-hmm. kind of like moral panic about going to Saudi Arabia or what it signals. It is it is much more embedded I feel um by this point and it, and it truly is in wrestling as well. I think like there are mm-hmm. more in pro, pro wrestling but that's also us being in a bit of a bubble too i mean soccer you know world cup you know in K- qatar um like like this is only getting more um aggressive and like this is where everything is going towards so it's more and more of your sports your entertainment that you are sometimes not going to be comfortable where that money is coming from um but that is you know a major force in if you are consuming combat sports, if you're consuming F1, if you're consuming soccer, I Beyonce mean, Beyonce or uh, whoever, you know, like whatever anywhere. concert like, has taken that money to pl- perform. Sure. Yes. 
Um, last things here um, on the MMA front. If you want to hear more about the, uh, the the whole USADA story with UFC, uh, I've written a few stories on the site as well in today's audio news update. That's up for Double Double and Espresso patrons. Uh, a bit of a commentary there, as well as in the written update today. Um, if you have the time, way the press conference from Thursday with Jeff Nowitzki and Hunter Campbell is something else to watch mm. these two are jeff Novitsky a few times speaks to the media hunter campbell virtually never and i mean they just excoriated usada and i mean you you always have to take some like i think a little skepticism towards the ufc side of things is always healthy to uh, to have this is one side versus the other and they're both kind of uh painting their picture but in essence i mean they they harshly pushed back at the notion that conor mcgregor was going to skirt through the system and be bypassed the six month testing period and the fact is they stated they told uh you saw to that now the conflict in that is that you had dana white out trumpeting the fact oh connor's gonna fight in december and when asked about usada who cares what usada says i mean that's what dana white was stating uh on top of things so uh, you almost got the sense from from these two it's like well what dana says is you know it's it's like the wwe attendance figures they're for entertainment purposes only it's uh they knew the real story <laughs> about connor but they're they're revamping their whole drug testing system and that will go into effect January 1st. They're moving over to Drug-Free Sport International, and they've obviously been planning this for a long time. For a year, they've been planning this. It was Monday when they contacted USADA to let them know that their uh, contract is not going to be renewed. And for 24 hours, you had fighters going nuts, thinking back to the Wild West days. And they were, uh, yeah, it, it was a mess this week. But um, So Drug-Free Sport impressive. International, just do you have a bit of background on on maybe some of what they've done in the past? So I, I just know that like they are involved in many of the major sports leagues. Like they handle a lot of the, the drug testing involved with the NFL, with Major League Baseball, MLS, uh, LPG, like tons and tons of places as well. I, I, I am not as well versed on them as I am uh, USADA or even VADA, um, but but they are, you know, very reputable in the sense of like the leagues that they work with. And this is a third party that is mm-hmm. that is going to be administering the, the drug testing. Um but ultimately, like we saw with USADA, like they were a third party group, but they were also being paid millions and millions by the UFC. And like I, I saw firsthand like issues where like I would reach out about like stuff with like Brock Lesnar in the testing pool. And they'd be very like, well, you, uh, we're not going to disclose stuff like they they were not as transparent, I think, as you would hope for from a, a third party entity, like where it came to like who's in the testing pool, who's not in the testing pool, like Conor McGregor retired last year and no one knew about it until it was noticed that like he hasn't been tested in months and then it's like oh yeah he retired the biggest sport star in the sport retired and he has uh, gone off and done who knows what like you can't uh, necessarily uh, pinpoint but and that's another argument like if someone suffers a debilitating injury should they be able to have some kind of leeway if they have to use certain drugs that go against the drug testing policy in order, like they were very concerned, Conor McGregor, like the ligaments in his leg may not properly heal without certain rehabilitation. And at that point, like that, that's kind of the, the philosophical debate that you're going to have. You saw it was much more hardline about this. And it seems like this new wave is going to be more, um, they're going to be more open to, uh, d- differences and, and and that's good and bad like you can mm. you know it's it's very easy to to bend things when it benefits your company as well so it's we're gonna see how this plays out when under, under this like you have certainly how much a is, lot 
How much is your average MMA fan? Do you think your average MMA fan cares about any of this? Uh, about drug testing in, mm-hmm. in sports? I think it's a very small amount. I, I think they'll get upset when they see someone has tested positive. But honestly, if I, I think it's a very small percentage that care if these guys are using or not. Um, right. But yeah. UFC is going ahead and seems like they're... they're I don't think they up. feel they can put the genie back in the bottle and go... Mm-hmm. I just think it would be such a bad look for them to go back and it's just to the commission testing um, and you would see bodies changing and such. I just, I just feel, and they, they've, they have clearly been planning this for a long time. They put a lot of resources into this over the years that I, I didn't see them just um, taking away uh, drug testing. And then the final things here uh, for, for this weekend, we've got Royal quest three that will be headlined by Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre jr. Along with Shingo Takagi and Tomohiro Ishii. And then Collision on Saturday night has Christian Cage against Brian Danielson for the TNT title and Samoa Joe versus Willie Mack and back to its normal time slot of 8 p.m. Eastern time. So after hitting us over the head that it would be 7 o'clock on Tuesday night, something involving like the outcome of one of the MLB series puts them back at 8 p.m. And I'm sure they were hitting it tonight on Rampage, but that was... um. I don't care what the, the what they publicly state. I would be furious at my broadcaster if I'm like at a time when these numbers are very important that we're doing. And you're telling mm-hmm. me on our Tuesday night that we're hitting everyone. About- oh. Either we've lost John or I have broken off the stream. Um, sorry, this has not happened at least, you know, uh, since t- Tuesday. So there you go. Okay, I think yeah. I'm back. Oh, we we're just about to talk shit about uh, not you, John, but uh, oh, about all the audio, audio, audio listeners. Okay. On that note, all right, let's, let's just in. pick up. Where, 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 where did we end off? Oh, so. we, we were done. We were ready to go into SmackDown. Oh, okay. Collisions at eight PM. That's the that's the news. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Tulsa, Oklahoma site was bringing us the season premiere of SmackDown and out to kick off the season premiere was John Cena, who was immediately interrupted by Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman. And he says that Cena only showed up because I left and you have the audacity to call yourself the greatest of all time. Reigns says he is the goat and to have Cena leave or else I'll make you. And Cena says, I'm not even here to challenge you. I'm here to acknowledge you and says 1,138 days as champion. That's the greatest accomplishment of all time. And I'm like, how is that the greatest accomplishment of all time when there are multiple people that have held the title longer? Okay. To 
to to to just argue the point. It might be perceived as a much more difficult task to achieve these days than it was, you know, back when Bruno was was champion. Um, I think Bruno might have more matches this year than Roman. <laughs> that is true. But the competition for, you know, who should like when business is this strong, you have so many arguments for putting the belt on somebody just even for a one night pop, went through it with Sammy, went through it with Cody, went through it with so many people. Could it not be argued that it's 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 more impressive that Roman has been champion for this long? I mean, with Bruno, he had to come back to the garden every single month with a new opponent every month. Reigns doesn't okay, have to go back to the same money? venue once a month. Who drew the more money? What's the dollar amount that you can attach to, to either Reign? Well, I mean, you got to... Maybe that's what Cena means, is all I'm saying. Okay. Well, it's the greatest accomplishment of all time for him. He didn't even specify just in pro wrestling. Like, the greatest accomplishment of any, like, miracle right. that has happened that in our lifetime. Ridiculous. Like, science yeah. be damned. Roman Reigns has held this title for three years. He says, I'm not here to challenge because I have not earned it. I'm not high enough on the rankings. But someone who has is L.A. Knight. Out comes L.A. Knight in his Tims. And he has handed the microphone. And Cena tells him, it's your time. It's like, man, that's what Trick Williams wanted to know. When did you know it was your time? So maybe he told uh, Trick Williams, it's not your time. It's L.A. Knight's time. Watch Friday. So Knight cuts a big promo on Reigns. And Reigns responds, who the hell do you think you are? And Knight goes to respond when Jimmy Uso shows up and attacks. But then Knight reverses, sends Jimmy out of the ring. And it's Solo who backs Cena into the corner. And then Reigns retreats. The bloodline takes off. And then Reigns sends Sokoa to handle him. And by handling him, Solo challenged him to a gentleman's match later in about an hour and a half's time. And they will meet in the main event. So I think it was very clear from this show that we are getting Reigns against LA Knight and probably Cena against Solo Sokoa at Crown Jewel as things had been going in that direction you would think so although like i mean is cena's status like is he guaranteed what's he guaranteed for up until this point dude the 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 sag uh actra thing like they are like their talks are not going great so i don't think the strike is ending imminently um but he's confirmed for crown jewel he was expected for crown jewel yes yeah okay i I guess you would expect that match Mm -hmm. um I thought it was a very good segment, though. You know, you had your kind of a dream pairing or at least like not seen for a long time pairing between John Cena and Roman Reigns, your two biggest stars in the segment in the very first segment. Um, You know, you definitely do like maybe think about, okay, are they teasing a match between these two at this point? Again, not knowing maybe what his full commitments are. I don't know if that's a direction that they they could go. but it leaves the door open, at least, when you do a little kind of moment between the two like this. More importantly, like it set the stage for LA Knight to come up here um, in between the two biggest stars that, that you had to have in the company. And I thought he was so charismatic and strong in this segment that he felt like he belonged on this stage. And uh, he felt to me like the main character coming out of this. So I think Cena overall has done a really good job of like, you know, serving his spotlight to LA Knight as part of this run. I, I would argue like Cena has been almost too secondary, I think, in the, in this run. Like he has deferred greatly to L.A. Knight and he's sort of just here to be, you know, he's like an add on. He's a big star, but he's like an add on to the show. And maybe that's the best. But with his limited season. time and his limited physicality, as he's admitted himself, is that not the most you can get out it, of him? This, this might be the best usage out of him like he probably shouldn't be doing that ma- I, I would even argue even if he was in great shape he shouldn't be doing matches every single week like let's build up to something and it would seem that Sokoa is the big match to build to and and that's the one big instead of having every guy under the sun beat him um have, have one big loss on this run that hopefully mean, goes better than Austin Theory you mean have Cena beat Sokoa 
No, I'm saying Sokoa beat Cena. Because I can argue the same for Cena. Hasn't he lost like everything under the sun? You know, his last several matches? I mean, him and LA Knight just won at the at Fastlane. The tag match. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about it. He okay, lost how many matches theory. has Cena had since he's come back? Well, he's lost the theory. He lost to... Uh, that who was did, WrestleMania. Who? Yeah, and then who, what was his match before that? I guess people don't really remember that far back anyway. So, sure. Pretty Deadly is back as Elton Prince makes a miraculous recovery because he is Elton Strong emerging from his wheelchair. He is saved. And he ta- they take on Butch and Ridge Holland. Corey Graves compares Prince's injury to Aaron Rodgers' torn Achilles. And Prince has made a miraculous comeback. And Michael Cole notes that Prince used to be the face of a dating app as well. So we learned that. Mm-hmm. There was a power slam uh, by Prince onto Wilson. This is after Holland gets the big tag and uses a military press into a power slam. And then Prince does a back body drop to Butch on the edge and takes a belly to belly from Holland and indicates to the referee that he is hurt. And Jessica Carr is holding off Rolland or Holland and then checking on Prince. And then all of a sudden there's a cheap shot by Wilson and Prince, a second miraculous recovery to roll up Holland in nine Oh five. And they pin him and Jessica Carr just looked, like she got played here It'd be very funny if that's what their excuse was I, I i i got legitimately injured in the match and then i had another miraculous recovery would be these are funny. how miracles work they yeah. are unforeseen uh, i thought it was a great heel finish i i think it totally fits their characters and makes them that much more obnoxious and to be quite honest like pretty endearing you know in like an eddie guerrero like you know cheat to win type of way um but for the moment like there's still i think a lot of value in the them being portrayed as this type of heel i think they've done a great job of keeping these guys in the audience's consciousness uh, during their downtime i think the vignettes you know though they haven't necessarily been like so abundant they were around like long enough i would say like a month maybe before their comeback and i don't think they've lost anything upon their return you know they might have actually gained something from the absence so i think they've done a good job with them and they celebrated by wheeling Prince in the wheelchair. Maybe they're going to keep the wheelchair for the Yeah, gimmick. sure. Kayla is with the returning Carlito. Asks, what does it feel like to be back? He says it feels cool. Lashley shows up and remembers beating him up in the past, but that was a long time ago. So Carlito issues a challenge for tonight. But before Lashley answers, the Street Profits jump Carlito and leave him laying the LWO who are we're joined by dragon Lee come to check on Carlito and then Bailey and damage controller in. And this leads to Zelina Vega and Bailey arguing and Adam Pierce making an impromptu match. So Carl Carlito was just left for dead here. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, th- does that not, is the match that's a match is not next week. Next week they're doing Santos versus Montez. Ford. Yeah. They showed Ray and Carlito as though they would be in Santos Escobar's corner. Gotcha. So Carlito right now appears to be LWO adjacent, if not officially indoctrinated into the group. You don't think he's – well, he's officially in. He wore the shirt and everything with Bad Bunny, didn't he? Well, lots Back of people much. have worn the shirt. And they're all members of the LWO. Okay. Well, what, what, what about Dragon Lee? Is Dragon Lee in? That is a question, yes. Okay. Um, hey, man, uh, if you were really into WWE in 2007, this is the nostalgia feud for you. You know, oh, Carlito versus Bobby Lashley. And you know what? Both Both of them look amazing, don't they? Yeah, yeah. The bloodline are in their office, and Reigns and Jimmy are talking about calling audibles, and they're asking which one of you is the QB. And Jay, Jimmy admits he's the second string quarterback. And Reigns says Jay is old news, but every time he sees him with the tag titles, it's disrespectful. It's a slap in the face. And Reigns is the only one who calls audibles and hot roots, not you. And Jimmy responds, "Yeet." 
which Roman hates. He told him to stop doing it. Um, so, uh, so, so this felt to me like an official like acceptance back into the bloodline from Jimmy. What a climax! Yeah, I mean, this whole Jimmy run I think has been pretty uh, questionable to me. I would say like so the whole time like he suddenly comes back like before he left, it felt like feuding he, with Roman. He's feuding with Roman, and it felt like the man was at least like smart and competent. He comes back and he's portrayed as like the incompetent idiot as part of the bloodline. The the hothead, you know, even though that role was Jay, right? He's the hothead who just like acts uh, up uh, on himself and has seemingly has no idea of like, you know, who Roman Reigns is or, or how Roman Reigns would react like all of us would. And and when he cost Jay the match at SummerSlam, like it mm-hmm. wasn't just showing his loyalty to Roman. Like his explanation was, I don't want you to be poisoned like Roman is. Like it's always been, I didn't want yeah. you to fall into that level of being Roman. Mm-hmm. And he and has, that, not, that really part has not been revisited here. Now it's more so like, it's just treated like he turned on his brother. Sure. So the whole time, like, you know, before Roman came back, I'm thinking, okay, like Jimmy's really putting it on just to infiltrate the bloodline so he can finally get his over Roman. And I don't think that seems like i feel like i could safely rule that out now because it seems like his return has been like he's been genuine and i'm not i'm not really sure how i'm supposed to feel about jimmy um from this point on is he just like the the group idiot now that like brainwashing solo and that's his mission wow what's what's he brainwashing him with um yeet (laughs) mind what effect it's gonna take some time it's gonna take some time we're at a dead part of the season gotta wait till rumble time bailey and zelina vega they went two minutes and 40 seconds where zelina has now incorporated a bottom rope 619 Mm -hmm. this looks exponentially harder balance wise than ray's version to get that kind of rotation with uh uh, using the uh bottom rope holding the middle rope and going underneath it you need some core strength to pull that off well, she looks like she's got a great core. So the yeah. code red gets blocked. Graves was trying to like do the math in his head of like half of each number would be. So I think he arrived at like three, one and a half and four and a half, which is like <laughs> halves of each individual number, but not half of a 619. Well, um, he should have just be, gone with a new area code. Yeah, which would be a 309.5. Okay. Is that what we're going to call it now? sure so anyway there's a she then goes for another uh 309.5 to eo sky on the apron but with her back turn bailey capitalizes with the rose plant and pins her in two minutes and 40 seconds eo and bailey attack zelina until charlotte flair struggles in these heels to come down the ramp um and enter the ring i mean she looks so non-threatening. <laughs> like she could barely keep her footing here. Um, not the best attire here for a run-in, but did did enough to uh, make Bailey and Sky flee. Well, nobody expects to do a run-in, John. You know, it's a, it's an emergency. I have to go. I don't even have time to take my heels off. Maybe well, that's what you. What were you here for tonight, Charlotte? <laughs> like, what was what was the, the course of action? Well, he, she had a segment with Piers. Or sorry, all this. Okay, but she didn't know that ahead of time. Maybe she was, was only scheduled. announced tonight. Oh, maybe she was scheduled for a meeting beforehand with the mystery man. Well, who is this mystery GM? Triple H comes out and Adam Pierce is there. And, uh, you know, we are on the road to crown jewel and survivor series. And it all starts tonight with the season premiere. The road to crown jewel begins. Mm-hmm. He calls Adam Pierce, one of the unsung heroes who had a successful in-ring career 
And for the past three years, he has done an incredible job as an official, overseeing both shows. But he won't be doing it alone anymore. So Adam Pierce has been promoted, promoted to be general manager of Monday Night Raw. It's like, is that a promotion? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What because was he? Before? We're also going to hire someone cold to do the exact same job on the other show, which is seen by more people. What was his title before? He never had a title. He was just official Adam Pierce. So I guess that would uh, uh, technically be a promotion. You at least have a title now. We're going to pay you now. I guess it was he volunteering this whole time. <laughs> well, Nick Aldis is certainly not coming in here as uh, a volunteer. He's also mm-hmm. a general manager. So, And you're doing less work. Sure, yeah. Hey, if it's I'm, more money and less work, then I'd take that as a promotion. I don't got to travel on Fridays anymore. Done. So. Hmm. so before he can announce who the general manager of SmackDown oh. is, Dominic comes out. And he complains about Judgment Day getting screwed out of their tag titles. And he's upset that Cody and Jay are defending the tag titles when they have to defend them on Monday against the Judgment Day. And Paul says that, well, this Adam Pierce is the general manager of Raw. You need to speak to the general manager of SmackDown, Mr. Nick Aldis. And Nick Aldis just, poof, appears out of nowhere from ringside. And he comes in. And listen, Nick Aldis, I, I think he'll be very good in this role. Most of this crowd in Toledo, Ohio, had no idea who this was. Yeah, and I wouldn't have expected, honestly, like because this this man has never um, had a WWE run. He's never even been. He's never been AEW. Um, so I'm just trying to think, like, what national TV he was in other than Impact, and I think most notably was his run in the NWA and as part of the first All In. But that's speaking to a probably much smaller part of this audience. Yeah, it. I think it would have been more pronounced if they had had him come from the back and he comes out where I think it would have been even more like mm-hmm. an audience. Like certainly yeah. people watching this show, I think, know Nick Aldis, but it's not like he has a song that's going to generate a pop or mm-hmm. is going to get that even like, you know, this sometimes was- at the Rumble, you'll get a support like the hurricane comes and the place is going to go nuts. Nick Aldis is not going to have that cachet with. A WWE audience and they, they, they I mean they were smart enough to to not do that because they probably knew that nobody really knows him yet so Aldis who is addressed uh, to the nines here and now we have two former NWA champions running Ron Smackdown oh that's right there must be more than that um around other NWA champion uh, they've, yeah, they've got Steve Carino um at NXT maybe he can okay. uh, he can run NXT I think our truth is still technically you're right. Uh, yeah, around. he was a former NWA champion. Um, uh, Cody? Cody, yeah, yeah. Cody. Um, which you, you do have here, even all this talking about, about Cody here. You have that. And like with Nick Aldis, the guy's 36. And wow. even if they have one of those, like like they did with MVP, where it's like, okay, well, you'll come back, but you're just going to be a manager. You're just going to be this. There will come a time where you could do something like where this guy, this builds to a match or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's much younger than Adam Pierce. Yep. Um, and funny enough, the one time that they did a show long tease of Adam Pierce wrestling, Paul Heyman, that SmackDown did a, I remember it did a huge number and it was just a tease all night that Adam Pierce was going to wrestle Paul Heyman. So I think it is something you can, you can go to once a year where the GM wrestles. Um, and all this is someone that can still do that, but he, he's a very good talker. And I think this is a role that, I mean, for him, like this seemed like this guy was never going to get any inroads in WWE and he came in as a producer and now boom, this is a golden opportunity for him. I mean, I would love to know um, how good of a producer he really was for somehow for him to somehow parlay that into like an on-air speaking role as the general manager, as the figurehead of the show. 
I, and I agree with you, John. I think there, there's much more likelihood of him eventually entering the wrestling ring because, you know, he he's much more closer. How many guys on this roster are older than this guy? Like quite a lot. It's, totally. Yeah. The youth is there. He also has the look that I think they look for. Like he's got the physique, you know, he's got the height. He's got yeah. everything that I think. He's, he's almost too intimidating to be in the role of like your authority figure. You know what I totally. mean? Like yeah. Adam Pierce has like. He will the, tower the like a retired wrestler and Nick Aldis. Like this guy looks like he could go yesterday. He like him talking to Chad Gable, like we'll, we'll make Gable. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's going to have to do like the splits thing, you know, like he's going to tower over like a Chad. Well, that's Gable. why he's on SmackDown. They're keeping him away from, Gable. they have short guys on SmackDown too. Okay. Well, one thing I, I thought that. So Dominic is here to be the uh, kind of the, the joke the of, of the segment here. So yeah. Nick Aldis gets in here and he introduces himself and he wishes Adam Pierce the best and a healthy competition before be between us. And then tells Dominic, Dominic, big fan of your dad, which is a good line. Great. And all this brings up the trade, the mysterious trade for Jay Uso. Finally, SmackDown is going to get someone in return for Jay Uso and added to SmackDown is Kevin Owens, who comes out and proceeds to stun Dominic. Now, the whole purpose of this segment is, I think part of it is to be like, oh, wow, Kevin Owens is now separated from Sammy and he's on SmackDown. Hmm. And it's like you're trying to like subtly emphasize like this split of shows with your raw guy just in the ring here on SmackDown without any reason to be here on SmackDown and Dominic. <laughs> That's a very good point. Like, why is he That's here? Like, should point. I be too concerned about Owens and Zayn being broken up when it seems like Zayn could just pop over if he feels like it? That's a very good point. He's not even like a second of the um tag team champions right now, uh, which aren't Judgment Day. I mean, I don't know. Does the North American Championship grant you those? Um, Somehow, I think that's the unwritten rule. Out. Any title belt gives you keys to the show you want to be on. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, that's an aspect that they um they haven't really figured out. I don't think. What what do you think about Owens being the guy that they opted to use here? And I I would think that Monday was sort of. Th- makes more sense of how clean that ending was that that was the end of Owens and mm-hmm. Zane, at least for now as a team. I would personally, excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Um, Don't get too angry. I think they're going to be fine well, on their own. I'm outraged about the split of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I, I would love to know if this was always like how far in advance this was the plan. If when they initially announced the trade, this was go, always going to be the plan. If when they were maybe teasing, you know, Jay Uso coming in for somebody else that this was always the plan. Cause it felt like the reveal here was kind of anticlimactic. It wasn't necessarily like built up to, and you also don't see the ramifications of the split which I think could have you know, been told um, for so much more drama. Like we had the story of, okay, Jay Osu is coming into, you know, enemy territory here, babyface locker room on Raw where he's already hated. And now um, he's also going to be taking away in exchange somebody that we actually like. Turned out to be Kevin Owens, but wasn't that a line that was stated on raw like the person going is someone that's beloved in the locker room wasn't that said on the show i I... don't remember at this moment but the point is like there could have been a a story that i think you could have maybe told um uh, and but instead they on the one hand it makes sense that you would have kevin and jay relieve that tension okay number one they could be building to a war games where they'll have to work together uh number two they might not be interacting so much anymore but i also felt like it was a missed opportunity for a lot more maybe um, drama to be to be told, you know, like maybe reacting. 
I thought it it would be Zane. You know, I, I said I thought it would be Zane because I thought that would that be that much of a bigger gut punch to you know the the WWE Raw locker room. Owens return leaving, he's not even upset about it. Like he seemed to be happy to be on SmackDown, and it just seems like everything is just kind of peaceful, which is perfectly fine. Got I just to keep like- his theme music and his name too sure that should be part of the, the these drafts going forward you know take, take, take raw it. and smackdown own the ip of their characters and yeah. when they leave they've got to reinvent themselves that's it uh anyway um it, it, it'll be fine like again they, they 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 might he'll be showing up on raw soon enough everybody so i don't ultimately think it matters all that much we'll never see owens and zane in a ring together again uh so that that was the segment he just stunned dominic and shook hands with nick aldis the bloodline reacts to this. Reigns is not happy. And the fact that Cody and Jay are also running around here too. And Jimmy Uso's on my couch and says, I already called the play. And Jimmy's like, you're not being serious, are you? And Reigns says, no. But imagine if I was. And this is where he shuts down the yeet. He's like, stop saying that. I didn't know what was going on here. I don't know what the play was. I didn't know what the hot route was. I don't know what he was serious about, what he was. I didn't know what I was supposed to think about this. If it was to build up some tension between these two, um, boy, did I not sense any. I get the sense they're trying to like recapture some of that Sami Zayn, like, you know, bloodline type of dynamic or even like, you know, like a Matt Riddle, Reddy Orton type of dynamic where like one person is just like a complete idiot and very annoying and the other is just like, um, you know, oh, I'm so sick of you but I secretly love you like type of thing. Um, I don't think they found it yet in this first segment. <laughs> They've got a ways to go. Yeah. There was a vignette for dragon Lee. So he is, uh, he was not traded. Maybe, maybe Rod didn't want him. SmackDown just scooped him. Maybe he was traded for uh, odyssey Jones or, or whoever was drafted. Um, that one time he's on quite the odyssey. Yeah. Chelsea and Piper meet Nick Aldis and they want new championship belts to, because maybe they think the physical belts are, are cursed. So Italian leather, that's the way to go. I mean, they could be right. Might be. Yeah. Charlotte Flair enters and Aldous watched Fastlane and he thought that damage control cost her the win. So next week, Charlotte is getting a title shot against EO Sky on SmackDown. And then in the big moment, Flair turns around and bumps into Jade Cargill, who was there with Triple H. And Flair explains, I know who you are. It's nice to meet you. And Jade just says, it's my pleasure. And Flair ends it, oh, it will be. And uh, there you go. One big tease for something down the road. And maybe another one coming up here as well. Jade's third appearance over the, the past week. So she's been to uh, Fastlane. Fastlane, SmackDown, and NXT. Tuesday, yeah. Didn't show so, up at Raw. So clearly she has her priorities. She's waiting for the season premiere, John, you know. You could expect her on Monday. I Probably think. is. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think about the strategy? Uh, this is very unconventional. The fact that they would have somebody appear across basically every show, not really doing a whole lot other than appearing, but um, keeping. I think presence. they wanted to shoot a bunch of big angles for the season premiere from Owens to Aldis. Uh, the big one being the face to face with Cody and Roman. And then this one, I'd be very curious if we look back and this was our tease for what could very well be two WrestleMania matches. If this was like the beginning builds for both of those for Mm. Jaden Charlotte and for Roman and Cody that we look back at the season premiere as sort of their their kickoff with the first kind of uh, hints towards where they're going. Uh, When you think about dream pairings with Jade Cargill, I mean, really anybody on the roster, but like I think the first that would come to mind or at least among the first would be uh, Charlotte would be Bianca Belair and I guess Becky as well. You know, those three. Maybe Rhea, too. Actually, anybody, honestly. And that's probably what makes her so valuable. 
but this is definitely a mania worthy match i would say you know in terms of like star power and, and what if how did how how long do you hold off until you do jade's first match do you do um, it as soon as crown jewel do you do survivor series or or even on tv so more importantly who who that person is because i i think she has to look at like obviously dominant but i also think she has to look like really good who's gonna make her look good you know and uh yeah when you do it crown jewel feels like it's saudi arabia just feels like such a weird place like to to do but you could i mean it would be on tv i'm willing to bet it'd probably be after crown jewel maybe maybe the raw after crown jewel that's like a big tv hook you know or you could hold it off till chicago i i could see them doing it at saudi arabia it's like a big match yeah. on the show, but those would probably be your uh, your targets. She wouldn't be able to wear a lot of what she wears. Um, that's true, but they, um, she'd have fun with it. They've certainly gotten better with like the outfits for the women, like mm-hmm. in, instead of like the giant t-shirts and such. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso defending the tag titles against Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. So this was hilarious. They Graves explains the Cody One D Michael that you were calling it. They're now calling it another trip to the crossroads. Another trip to the crossroads. I rewound this to make sure I heard this right. So, so, so Cole does not call it that in this match. I guess he no, already forgot. He just he he loves Cody One D, and he is going to make that happen. Okay, <laughs> that that's his fetch. How does so, he spell it? Is what I want to know. Is it Co Dash D One Dash D? The Cody One D, like R Two D Two. I'm going to say neither of those options are very good. Another trip to the crossroads. Where, where does another, like what part of the Jey Uso equation is enough? I guess he's another trip. I can't tell you. I How about know. see you at the crossroads? I mean, that, 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 that's at least like, you know, popular like hook. Um, ooh, see you at the crossroads. Ooh, so crossroads. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. They go through the break. Kevin Patrick notes, man, did you see the chemistry that Cody and Jay had at the press conference? <laughs> this guy has the weirdest observations and brings them up at a funniest time. I think it was his way of like bringing up the like the press conference, which which did catch a lot of attention. So we saw um, a power slam and disaster kick combo onto Austin Theory. Waller rolls in. He's hit with a disaster kick as well. And then Theory cuts off Cody with a Ushigaroshi. Jay stops the A-Town down, super kicks Waller out, and then super kicks Theory, which sets up the Cody 1D trip to the crossroads as Jay flies to the floor. And another uh, a single trip to the crossroads by Cody alone pins Theory in 922. Pretty, like, you know... Um, I thought Cody and Jay, they look really good together here. And Theory mm. and Waller, this is this is the role those two should be in. I thought this was like a fun TV match. I thought it was almost like a perfect like TV showcase, you know, um, for the new tag team champions. I mean, it was a very basic match, um, just kind of built up to that big Cody, you know, tag. And then got an incredible reaction. And I thought Waller and, and Theory were like kind of the, like the perfect opponents for a situation like this. They're not so like off the map that you don't care about the match like it's still seen as a somewhat significant match but they're also a team that can definitely afford a loss to the champions without really even you know losing a pay-per-view caliber match so i thought this was great and that leads to the judgment day facing them on monday jimmy and sokoa come out as cody and jay are leaving and it's roman's music so roman and Heyman follow and Roman goes face-to-face with Cody. So this was the big moment on the show. Aldis gets in between them. And I think this was 
certainly pointing you in in this direction with the two of them on SmackDown. And yeah, I thought I thought this was really good because it gave people, you know, the the sense of where they're going and to be determined when. Well, I, I would say the the immediate first stop uh, on you know on our crossroads is a uh, deadline. <laughs> I was going to say war games. Oh um, yes, that too. Where where I think you know th- this is all very much like possible here with Cody, Jay, Kevin now, and then R- you Roman even... needs some backup. Man, he's got what? It's three of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 would presume La Knight to be on on the babyface side as well, and then they could always you know. Uh, Braun, Braun Baker, you know, part of the bloodline now, or at least um, potentially, right? So I, but, but yeah, like the war games itself is very possibly a build towards Cody versus Roman number two. And I thought this interaction was going to be very important. Um, And Cody played it beautifully. Look at the way he looks at Roman. He's looking at him like he's looking at a ghost that's been haunting him, you know, every day of his life since April uh, he's looking at the end of his story. We're standing right in front of him. So I thought Cody, like his facial expression was perfect here. And um, again, I would assume, listen, they might be doing, if the rock's available, they'll, they'll do the rock for WrestleMania does not mean that they should scrap whatever story that they've got planned out for Cody versus Roman, because eventually you're going to get the Cody versus Roman um, rock. They just or superimpose not. Dwayne Johnson's face into this face to face for the <laughs> video package use, next year. They use AI. Yeah. Yeah. Can we go another six months of hearing finish the story? I think the audience likes it, man. We want to hear him finish the story, don't we? Okay. Next week in San Antonio, EO in Charlotte for the women's title. Santos Escobar takes on Montez Ford. But the last match of the show, Solo Sokoa and LA Knight. Uh, it was a lot of selling from LA Knight. They go through the, the commercial. And then Knight comes off the top with a bulldog, but it's dropped with a Samoan drop. Sokoa misses a seated splash. Knight gets out of the way and a flying clothesline takes Sokoa down, follows with the DDT, and then a Samoan drop gets countered with a power slam from Knight, hits his elbow drop. So much playing to the crowd here. And Samoa uh, Sokoa stops the blunt force trauma. They're both down with clotheslines and Jimmy Uso enters the ring but is thwarted by John Cena who hits the AA and then Cena takes the Samoan spike. Knight doesn't see it and hits the blunt force trauma, pinning Solo Sokoa, a rare loss for Sokoa in 12 minutes and 53 seconds. And as Knight is celebrating, he hops off the turnbuckle and boom, gets speared by Roman, who just taunts LA Knight. So clearly where we are going. Mm-hmm. A rare Sokoa loss. And, you know, he did have the Cena distraction as an excuse. But even with the dis- distraction, you know, win over Solo Sokoa is a big deal, I think, in the WWE. And it's great booking for setting up LA Knight as Roman Reigns' next challenger. Um, in terms of his in-ring, I think they're crafting his matches very wisely to be as simple as possible, emphasizing what he does do well, giving him basically like, you know, the early John Cena playbook or like even the Hulk Hogan playbook. I very much felt like a like 2005 John Cena vibe, like Mm -hmm. watching this, like L.A. Knight, like his his matches are very basic. But the audience is with like all his like participation spots. The audience is with at, Mm -hmm. at the moment, but it's they're using the yeah for like his comeback with like, you know, all his punches and kicks and everything. And it's it all works like again, like five moves of doom. Like it's a tried and true formula. And when you're over enough through other factors, you don't need to do shooting star presses. And this guy certainly has enough to, you know, be a top guy. So that was SmackDown, the season premiere. Are you looking forward to the season of SmackDown? 
Will it be the last season on Fridays? What's the season finale going to look like? You know, what are the what are the the the, the seeds that they're sowing for the season finale? Could, um, that you could tell already. Well, it's it's going to be uh, farewell, Fox. That's what the season finale is going to be. That's going to come before the season finale. They're going to change stations, but. Wait, when no, is the, the, no, the season, they will run till the end of September next year. I'm oh. sure they will promote their first one on USA as the season premiere next year. You're very, very true. And, and I, maybe, maybe a new, like that, that was the other thing that Ari Emanuel stated, not just Raw, but SmackDown, we will go to whatever night is needed. So I would not read, even though that press release said Friday night SmackDown, I would not read that as gospel that SmackDown is staying on Fridays. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons to move it. Um, most of which would be, um, I would be just over the moon if they move to another. <laughs> for I, John I, I don't think they're paying all these millions for my enjoyment. So we'll see. I thought overall the season premiere was a very good, very productive, and I think newsworthy show. You had Roman coming back, and they had interactions with Roman with the rest of the roster of people that he's missed in this whole time. Having Roman and Cena in the ring together, I thought gave you a pretty you know worthwhile moment. Good build to LA Knight versus Roman Reigns. You even had a big tease of Cody and Jay interacting with the bloodline and jade and charlotte i I like both of those teases like that you're you know you're not getting those at the next pay-per-view or the one after that but this is all like i think we'll look back and it was like okay they they planted a lot of seeds on this show yeah and as well the reveal of nick all this as well as uh kevin owens as as the trade finally uh coming over to smackdown so the game has changed yes or no is kevin owens on raw monday night i think they have to do a goodbye don't you i think so too i think i think he's gonna be on raw He's just like he'll go to Raw to pack his bags as if like, you know, the lockers stay the same wherever they travel. Maybe so. maybe they'll leave all his stuff in a garbage bag. Uh, then he comes back to SmackDown and just looks at Nick Aldis. It's like, man, could you believe they put all my stuff in a garbage bag? <laughs> Jeez, that's a bit of a deep cut. But, uh... Okay. All right. That was SmackDown. And uh, if you want to call in, you're welcome to do so. We have a few pieces of feedback and we will call it a day. We have a lot of people who want to get in the uh, phone lines to talk, and uh, the, the link is open, available for all of you. So thank you, all patrons, for tuning in. Uh, let's go first of all to Muggin. Hey, Muggin, welcome. Hello. What's Good going on, Muggin? Hi. Yeah, okay. That season that season premiere, quote-unquote, was pretty baller. It was baller. Yeah. Roman is Roman's about to have a nightmare which, of which he will never wake. That should have been the name of the show title tonight. Roman's never ending nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, I mean, look, as much as I like, you know, as much as like rag on, you know, Roman's, you know, coming and going over the last six, over the last several months, you know, shit is different when he's around. I mean, and uh, the, the opening was very good and I'm glad they dangled, you know, Cena versus Roman again, which is like, I'm not interested. I'm not interested, but I love that Cena put over LA Knight big time. He did. Like this whole run has been, you can see like there, he is here to get LA Knight up to that, assist him to that next level. And, and it's probably to do one big loss to Solo Sokoa. And believe me, there's not too many people I think that would just routinely come back. And like, that's sort of like, you just beat this guy like a drum. <laughs> that's kind of the, the, the role of it. And I wouldn't overdo it either. And I don't think they're necessarily at that point yet. I just hope LA Knight, you know, comes out of you know this program with Roman with uh, with as much momentum because I don't I don't want to see it like you know him be I don't want to see his run of success like come to an end you know, just because he loses to him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, Cody and Jay and uh, the tag match was very good and um, you know Cody and Jay are like they're they're really clicking as a team and 
Okay, and uh, I love that Nick Aldis is now the uh, new authority figure for SmackDown. You know, Andre finally gets a break, and uh, I was kind of I was kind of expecting some sort of fallout with with uh, with Owens being being traded in place for Jake. As I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know the tag match ended with that without any like you know hostility. You know, it was it was basically like you know I I, I was kind of hoping like Owens would like have some sort of like you know reaction to, to, to moving this match and being split from Sammy. But mm-hmm. I know with War Games coming up, I, I, it's not going to be that much of an issue. Well, I mean, that would have provided interesting character dynamic too, wouldn't, yeah. it, wouldn't it? If the, 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 can yeah. they get along? I mean, we kind of make joke about it all the time, but it, there would have been some interesting story there. But we don't know. On Monday, we'll see the raw um, yep. roster's reaction to it. We may not see it at all. They might just, you know, accept it all. He's gone now. Oh well, let's move on. Like we don't you've know. Also, you've also set up a way that so now Sammy is on Raw. At some point, Cody and Jay lose the tag titles, and you have Sammy. And Jay have the opportunity to team up. So you have Cody being the mastermind that brought Jay to Raw. Jay, who had screwed Owens for all these months. Sammy, his best friend, is now teaming with the guy that he did not trust. All of these seeds are planted for an Owens turn down the road, too, on all his friends that are on Raw that had the the collateral damage was I was the guy sent to SmackDown away from you because Cody brought Jay to, to Raw. I am so not. I am so not interested in Owens versus Dane for the upteenth time. I mean, no. I mean, for once, I mean, for once they're split apart, but it's not because you know one turned out the other. I mean, I have no interest in seeing that again. Uh, me personally, but I mean, and, they would uh, have to find a way to really refresh in it. Yes, because yeah, I'm, I'm, I, a lot of people probably, probably feel that way. But the story is there, and the reasons are there. Yeah, Come, a few more things. Cody, the Cody Roman stare down is like, yeah, they're dangling that carrot. I don't care about Rock versus Roman anymore. They got to do this rematch from Philadelphia. And, se- and secondly, Cody tweeted today that he, he did one more thing while he was guest GM on NXT. Mm-hmm. And he says, tune in on Tuesday to find out what that is. So I think with, with, all, this, with all this as a GM, as the GM for SmackDown, Pierce going to Raw full-time, NXT needs an authority figure, but I don't know who's that, who that's going to be. Do, right. do they, though? I mean, isn't Sean technically the authority figure? Well, I mean, but like, I mean, Sean, like, you know, he, he, like, Sean does, he is the GM to some extent, but like, I mean, they're, uh, they, they don't want to overexpose him because they, they want to manage his appearances so that it means more when he shows up. So, I mean, they need somebody like a proxy for Sean when, when things get too, when things get too far. All right. We'll see. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you next week. Let's go up next to Corey. Welcome to the show, Corey. Hey guys. Hope you're having a good evening. Thank you. You too. So um, I, I should preface my comment with a, a couple of very important things. One, um, I am Jewish. Two, uh, I'm around the same age as MJF. I'm, I'm a, a skew a little older than him. Uh, three, uh, he's built from Plainview, Long Island. That's not far from where I grew up and where I went to school. That means that we were both a part of the same county education system. That means that we both probably went to the Long Island Holocaust Education and Tolerance Center uh, for field trips. It is a big part of what living in New York is education about the Holocaust because we have like one of the most populous Jewish populations in America. Mm-hmm. We, it, being a part of the specific Nassau County uh, education system, we have access to like a uh, a Holocaust education intolerance center where we actually spoke to uh, Holocaust survivors and heard their stories. This is something that has been ingrained in me 
since I was like in fourth grade. And probably also like MJF, when I was in high school, I heard every regurgitated Eric Cartman joke that uh, you could possibly imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. just every unoriginal South Park quote. Um, So when, when MJF talks about wanting to, um, to, to want to, you know, tell this story through pro wrestling. And he says, uh, what is it to anyone that thinks this can't be done through the Avenue of pro wrestling, then that's an indictment on things that have happened in this sport past. Um, I'm, I'm not giving wrestling the benefit of the doubt, man. I'm not. Um, I look, um, pro wrestling. And I, I'm sorry, I'm about to speak in like kind of broad strokes here. Pro wrestling Please. is, um, it's, it is a juvenile form of entertainment. That is sort of its appeal in a lot of ways. It it speaks to base instinct. It is not subtle in its storytelling. Uh, we can say that there is subtle storytelling in pro wrestling, but I believe that's relative. I don't think that pro wrestling as a medium has the level of tact to really tackle the subject matter of anti-Semitism. And we're going to throw out the timing of all of this because I, I, we shouldn't, but I'm going to. I, but- I, I honestly believe, Corey, mm-hmm. I, I think there would be criticism other yeah. weeks too. Uh, I think oh, it was yeah. just, it was, ex- it was accentuated this week of all weeks. But a question I would have for you, yeah. even if this could be done in, in whatever you deem a tactful way, is that something you your, yourself as someone Jewish are looking for in professional wrestling? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I, I just, um, I, I, for me personally, I just it, like historically wrestling has never tackled any hot button issue. Well, at all, Muhammad Hassan, Billy and Chuck, uh, like gold dust, like, Come on, like I'm sorry if I'm I'm like kind of I don't mean to trash pro wrestling, but to, it's just to play like, devil's advocate just briefly, Corey. Yeah, yeah, all those instances you just mentioned were from one company. Yes, they were not from AEW. Now yes. is that is that a, a reasonable excuse? Um, just again to play devil's advocate. Um, I mean, hey, you could you could certainly give the argument that this is a different company, a different cultural context. I. I just don't think the medium is built for it. I just, I truly, honestly don't believe that. And I am willing to be proved wrong. I would love to be proved wrong. That means that there is truly space of in growth for the type of stories that can be told. I, I just truly do not believe that like pro wrestling by design is sort of built for this. It's, it's like, and, and ultimately even if the storyline is quote unquote successful, what is the the moral here? Anti-Semitism is bad. Of course, of course it is. The dude beats up guy for being anti-Semitic. Yeah. Okay. But like, it's, it's so um, cartoonish. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm juice Robinson holding up a, a roll of quarters with your name on it. Uh, it's it's so cartoonish and it's so like like I, I don't know. I, 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 I totally understand what, what you're stating, yeah. Corey, and I feel like it's 
like, listen, I, I really applaud like the stuff that MJF uh, like showcases and the fact he gives mm-hmm. a voice to, you know, Jewish representation. That is yeah. something that has, you know, uh, that I'm sure many people look as very like aspirational to see this individual oh, yeah. as successful as he is and to speak about this. Mm-hmm. And I just look at it from like how many people are really like wanting this out of their professional wrestling. Like there is a message that you could certainly send uh, of like anti-racism. It doesn't mean I think you want heels coming out and like using the N word for heat. And even with like the baby face prevailing in the end, like that might be the, the right message. Is that what you want on your air? Is it something that you want coming out of your heels mouth on television that can be just shortened to a clip and how that that paints you where right or wrong, AEW is saddled with the history of professional wrestling when you see a clip of like if you were to take this clip from this past Tuesday and throw it onto a news outlet, it's just look at pro pro wrestling and rightly or wrongly look at what they have stooped to. And I should I should really make note that I am speaking specifically to North American wrestling, because I mean, if if you look back at um, Damian Abraham's uh, documentary series, the wrestlers, there was that one, uh, that one episode dedicated to the women of uh, the, the women who like kind of um, act out uh, as, as a form of therapy, like their, their abuse, their histories of abuse through wrestling mm-hmm. like that, that I think is wholly separate for what we're talking about, which is the history of North American uh, pro wrestling, which has given me a carte blanche to not give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to making a storyline like this and make it um, palatable, substantive. Uh, sorry, I'm stumbling over my word there, but you, you know what I mean. Just it's something... I, I just I don't I I have not been given any reason to believe historically uh because time and time again uh wrestling can just lets me down in terms of that kind of storytelling and uh not that I had any belief that it could do that in the first place. Yeah. So I I first of all, I'd uh, thank you for calling in, Corey, and and sharing. Um, maybe like you know that like your complete raw thoughts about this. I'd love for you to like call us back once you, we see the result of of this storyline, and I'd love to know your assessment of it afterwards if you choose to watch it. Of course, um, I also feel like to for MJF himself to you know what I would assume you know create this storyline and to suggest it. I would think that he he'd be sensitive to these issues. He's mm-hmm. a bigger wrestling fan than any of us could ever dream to be. And what what do you think, you know, is making him confident that he could tell this story? And beyond that, is there benefit to exposing even an audience to talking about anti-Semitism the way that we are right now? So, so I cannot speak for the mind of MJF. I, I, that is absolutely 100% something I can't do. Um, here's the thing. When, when it comes to people who believe that they can do, like, things with the art form that they work with there are some people that aim higher than other others he is aiming for in my opinion the highest possible thing you can make and that is i'm not going to say highbrow pro wrestling but pro wrestling that is um subversive maybe uh pro wrestling that actually 
really is pointing a finger and asking questions. And that's something that I don't think has been done well in the last, like, I don't, I couldn't even tell you how many years Uh, he is trying to look, he is trying to be the change in the exact thing that I'm complaining about. And I don't think either of us are right over the other. I'm willing, like I said, I'm willing to see this out and uh, hopefully, hopefully it lands on two feet. Um, Just for me right now, I just, um, I just think that pro wrestling is not the right venue for this. Like this ain't Oz, this ain't American history X. This is all elite wrestling, you know? Uh, It's not something that I, um, you know, this is, this is the, uh, this is the company that brought you Mimosa Mayhem and stadium stampede um you You, you have every right to be skeptical and i completely completely understand the sensitivity when it's basically this is going to be a story that represents you and it's going to be a story that represents your life and and that could be very uncomfortable um to you know try to witness on screen so again i'd love to continue to follow your thoughts as they evolve as as the storyline progresses and uh uh thank you for sharing of course have a good night guys Thanks a lot, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Thank uh, you. Do, do you want to want to also make mention that uh, MJF himself, um, you know, so coming off of Tuesday, he he did respond to um, some of the criticism online and used the maybe attention and platform to also promote us uh, 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 an appearance he made for uh, stand up to Jewish hate at the Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And they also just he also just released a video um, recapping mm-hmm. his appearance at the event as well. So. Yeah, this is Robert Kraft's uh, group that he uh, like uh, assembled a, a panel that uh, MJF was a part of. So you can uh, see that video uh, up on his Twitter. Yeah, this is the uh, the members of the panel and Robert Kraft who founded this uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's one of the the topics coming out of Tuesday that I certainly did not expect to get into um, heading into that this week in pro wrestling. But this is one of the biggest conversations in pro wrestling right now. Uh, let's go to our next phone call. Uh, let's go here to Vinit from Los Angeles. Welcome, Vinit. Hey. Hi, John. Hi, Wei. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're coming in perfect. All right, perfect. Um, well, so I, I wanted to, uh, um, to, to ask a question about something related more to, to post-wrestling than the wrestling this week, if that's okay. Sure. Um, yeah. So firstly, uh, like I've, I've been now a member of the cafe for about a year, and I think the content that you both put out as well as the network around you that you've you know built to put out content is fantastic and i've with a, a toddler i have a lot less time to watch the actual wrestling so a lot of the times i enjoy following so a lot of times i'm following through you and your your contributors so really appreciate that so you're playing um, your toddler our, our podcast which i highly encourage you, you know it's funny uh sometimes in the car i'll be trying to listen to post wrestling on the way to drop him off to daycare and he's like no no wheels on the bus so you are not <laughs> at the level of wheels on the bus unfortunately but uh yeah, you know, sometimes he'll. We he'll can like, do our our review in song. You know, we can. Oh, you know, if, if you if you ever drop some some singing, it'll, it'll probably give me a couple more minutes to listen to post wrestling. So anyway, <laughs> um, just on that note, like my, my like my my uh, Oscar, my my son, he's fourteen months now, and I don't know if this is indicative maybe of our parenting style, but like he's learned to to go, no 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 no, so. Um, I, I it's probably telling us we should probably not be saying when he wants the wiggles that's when you say no 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 <laughs> that's it yes yeah my, my i think my kiddos my kiddos a year and nine months so a little bit older than oscar but yes that, i remember that that phase well still happen that phase is still happening yeah. um 
anyway, so so my question regarding the post like um, shows is so when in general I think the the shows have been fantastic like like um, uh, Bruce and Karen's recent New Japan show is fantastic. Mm-hmm. One show that particularly I've been really enjoying every week is Collision Course. And at first, like, so I, I think you two are phenomenal at, you know, analyzing shows and breaking them down. And so at first I was a little bummed when I learned you weren't going to do the show, but I I think that show um, with its various guests, but especially with that like key regular pairing um, of Kate and John Ceno has been fantastic. Like I, I would say, you know, on the level of the the John and Way, you know, analysis and uh, shows. Hey, hold on a second! Don't get crazy, okay? No. You, you might you might have to edit that out later. You know, we, we're we're not John Cena here. We're not we're not pulling anyone over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're still those are rookies. I guess they have to. Uh, you know. No, they're great. They're amazing, yeah. But, honestly. But yeah, I I think that show is fantastic. So one, I just wanted to hear generally your thoughts on how that like new like weekly show that you're not doing is going and to like what if you agree with me that you think it's going well like what what do you think is going really well and that those two are doing that that you as experienced broadcasters see as like you know v- very strong and uh yeah again just appreciate the channel appreciate the community and uh and the content so thank you really appreciate the call Vinny. You know, um, uh, one we could surely clip out and, and use as a promotional tool for <laughs> yeah, future yeah, episodes. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Vinny. Appreciate it. Um, I've been incredibly happy, uh, or to, to say the least, you know, with, with the way Collision Course has been going. I think Kate is incredible. Like, when I listen to her analysis, and uh, we don't always see eye to eye on a lot of things, but um, that's why we have her. Like, we we want somebody who has a very original viewpoint and can express it as eloquently as she does every single week. Beyond that, both her and Encino, and they watch everything. They have knowledge of everything. As I speak, they're talking about, like, uh, I, I don't know, tr- uh, the, the House of Glory show that, like, John Cena is attending right now. Um, so uh, they're certainly more knowledgeable of, of, about all of this than I am. Um, but, yeah, I've been incredibly happy. Yeah, I mean, like, their their wealth of knowledge is, like, super deep. Like, it's always, like, we're always, like, curious of, like, different pairings of how they're going to work. And I think, like, I, I just think, like, the world of Kate. I think that her ability to... Uh, just have such a different uh, analysis of all these different segments. It's um, I, I find it really refreshing to to listen to her because it just it expands my thoughts on different subjects that maybe I didn't approach with uh, cer- certain thoughts. And Sino is just an encyclopedia. So he's he's such a completist. Okay, and and that's not just because he watches everything to recap in, within fifteen minutes, but every detail about a show, every news little news item that might be out there relating to a professional wrestler, he's usually on top of it. Usually the first one to let me know. Um, maybe even in some cases John as well. Um, so the combination of those two, and on occasion Bruce Lord, who I think is also uh, first of all amazing with with Karen on the New Japan shows. But anytime he's filled in for Collision, it's just like. It's such a pleasure to listen to really all three of those voices. Yeah, I mean, me and Wayne need to need to like uh, catch up. We're, we're not we're, as good as us, okay? Yeah, we're getting we're getting lapped by everybody. Oh, it's uh, it's great. We have a lot of great voices. We're very lucky to have here on the network that uh, graciously give us a a Saturday night off. Yes, and by the way, Bruce Lord and David Myers just released an edition of Postmarks this past week with Manny from Pacoima. So, admittedly, where I'm is not- Pacoima? Find yeah. out. 
Uh, Legendary Pacoima. Find out. I've not listened to the whole episode yet, but I, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's on the feed right now in the Post Wrestling Cafe. Let's go to Andy B up next. Hi, Andy. Hi, guys. Uh, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Uh, we're doing well. Yes, we can hear you. So, guys, I wanted to say I went with a friend to a sports event that was purportedly sold out this last weekend, and when he and then he noticed that there were a few empty seats. So, I was Uh-oh. able to explain to him that all sporting events have an average of ten percent drop off. So, who's going to do We'll clip this one for uh, for Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> See, don't don't you feel so much more informed that you can tell your friends about how the ticket industry works? Did you get into oh, like, you know paid versus uh what 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 are we talking about um uh, you comped uh, <laughs> tickets distributed that's it oh absolutely we we got into the whole thing turnstile counts and the whole thing like, I even uh, put him on to the Pollock and Thurston podcast oh man Andy you're uh you're just making us a blusher <laughs> uh, no worries guys so I I just wanted to say um. Uh, what did you guys make of this entire Tuesday night war thing? Because to me, I didn't really get like a whole lot out of it, especially from the NXT side of things. It was just a lot of like cameos and like hot shotting. Um, I didn't get like any like substance out of it. Even on the AEW side of things, it's just that they put together like a lot of matches in a hurry. So from like that entire about four hours of pro wrestling, the only two things I really enjoyed were like, Christian Cage's character work and um, the Brian versus Swerve Strickland match. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that this head-to-head thing doesn't become a regular thing again after the new TV ride cycle because I cannot handle either the ratings or the cage match discourse. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that um, that, that could happen. Because- When's the next head-to-head? Well, we have the the Friday in November, the mm-hmm. November twenty fifth with collision and, collision and SmackDown. Well, one's network, one's like collisions, collision. I, I, I don't think it's it, it's really um, not uh, apples to oranges comparison mm-hmm. that night, but they still might treat it as su- such where they they load up. But we, we will see. Um, again, I look at all the shows, and I wouldn't say of all the shows of AEW and WWE, I wouldn't say any are married to one night of the week, and that includes Raw. So the idea of coming out of this Tuesday and feeling like we want to go head to head with a dynamite in the next cycle. And we're with a broadcast partner that is more than gung ho to do so as well. Um, I, I would not dismiss that in, in the least, but I mean, again, we, it's still unknown where all these uh, programs are going to land. Um, but in terms of Tuesday, I mean, I wouldn't state that like I watched both shows and I enjoyed them for d- different reasons. I felt again with NXT. Yeah, it was, a lot of, if you want to call it like stunt programming with all the cameos, but I thought that they were there generally for a, a purpose to hopefully like, yes, they're there to draw the number that night, but hopefully as well, some of the talent at NXT can, can get some of that, that star power from them. And we'll, we'll see if that, that is actually realized in, in the weeks to come. But there's also the question like, is, is a Becky Lynch or a Dominic showing up now? Is it going to have the same power after we just threw everything against the wall? And now you have your audience that you've heightened the expectations of what a big appearance is for NXT that, you know, a Dominic, he, he meant more a month ago than, than he would like if he shows up this Tuesday, for instance. Yeah, certainly. You know, there's going to be a huge come down. Um, and how will they sort of maybe, I don't know, um, mitigate the the feeling of, of the next episode of NXT being a lot less than what came before? Um, you really could have spread that number from Tuesday out over like 
two months like really you could have done one night that's built around the undertaker showing up you could have done another where a scene is there where a cody's there yeah i mean this was a that's not the game like that the the, the game was around one night the game was about the battle and i think in some sense it was to make up for their basically losing you know the the original wednesday night war um at least in in their mind and, and, and you know whatever like it's hard for for me to read their minds about why they did all this but um I think that they're I agree with with Andy you that like I mean Tuesday was not at all about like building you know even to Halloween Havoc it was about kicking the competition's ass in the ratings and they they put most of their focus on it but again there was the convenience I think of having these people around let's have Carmelo Hayes walk out with you know John Cena let's have him leave the arena with the Undertaker I mean you can make the argument that I don't know what like several hundred more thousand people now know who Carmelo Hayes is that wouldn't be watching NXT um uh I think there was a good showcase of like some you know like really solid wrestling on the show as well um but I just ultimately realized it was not not a night where that was the priority the priority was to you know kick the competition's ass. And okay, so just before I wanted to run, I just wanted to make a comment about the state of media literacy amongst the wrestling fandom. Unfortunately, I spent a little more time than I should have on Twitter this last week. And it is hilarious to see that people are still swearing CM Punk is turning up at Survivor Series because some Twitter account tweeted that they're still in talks with him when people like Dave Meltzer and Sean Ross Sapp are saying that they're not um, in negotiations anymore. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. Uh, it's it's an issue not just in professional wrestling, but I think with all news right now. You know, with with the way I don't know, um, social media is just kind of structured with the way X is being run right now. Um, oh, that that's a major thing right now with like uh, much more serious with Israel mm-hmm. and Gaza. But like you you have like journalists that are like having very difficult times like disseminating like fact from like false news that that yeah. is out there of like trying to rely accurately of like people that are on the ground there. I, I truly feel like media literacy should be something that's taught in schools, um, I, you know, like by by like people on the cutting edge of uh, that, that know what it's like to experience modern media, not just people that have studied like, I don't know, Marshall McLuhan or, or something like that. Like we're, it, it's changing. Wait, wait, till, wait till we go through this next presidential cycle and the usage of AI, like AI yeah. is going to change all of this. And it's not just going to be a case of like you know, people that are just like lazy that like you are going to have people that are like genuinely going to be fooled by uh, like the use of technology increasing at the level it's going to be like, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Like it is five years from now. I have no idea what um, like online news dissemination is is going to reflect and people that are going to be, um, I just think trust in news is going to plummet even further. And that's a really scary reality. So I, my only recommendation is if you find a source that you can trust, stick with it, but still question them. Obviously, you know, you have to question everything that, that you do read, but but some are, are going to be more, um, I guess, you know, trustworthy than others um, and support support like like good journalism. You know, if you if you really, truly feel like there's there's good work being done, that's, you know, how, helping separate like fact from fiction, then, you know, support it because it's. It's not necessarily a thriving industry, I would say. All right. Thank you. Thank you for some some really thoughtful calls here. So let's go up next to Brian. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey welcome tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Good review tonight. Um, fun show overall. Uh, I, I thought there was a lot of fun wrestling this week. The real winners in wrestling this week were the fans. 
Uh, as long as they weren't being territorial trolling jerks, they were the winners. Uh, that all said, uh, my favorite match this week was Brian Danielson and Swerve Strickland. That is outstanding. Um, but I mostly just have a bunch of uh, just a bunch of questions to ask, but they're really short ones and hopefully simple sure. ones. Um, okay, first with Nick Nick Aldis running the show that is definitely going to be on USA next year, and Pierce running the show with the indeterminate future. And this de- development made me think of this question. If Raw and presumably NXT go to Amazon, does that mean the U.S. version of the WWE Network moves to Peacock, moves from Peacock to Prime Video, or is that Peacock deal firmly in place beyond 2024? Yeah, the, the, the U.S. rights for the WWE Network, that's a separate deal that is not up until like early 2026. So even if you saw Raw move to an Amazon, hypothetically, that wouldn't affect uh, the Peacock deal until several years afterwards. Do you know when they okay. could start negotiating for something like that? Um, well, typically in these deals, there is an, exclu- an exclusivity um, right. that you can negotiate with with the incumbent. And then there's like it wasn't all that long ago that Raw and SmackDown left their exclusivity. Uh, period. So it's not so something it- they could package with like Raw, for instance, at this point. No, I mean, not knowing the specifics of the deal, I, I would think like that, th- th- that would not be possible, especially this many years out. And that that WWE Network deal is going to be very interesting because that's the one people are going to be looking at of a possible, just possible packaging with like a UFC deal. Mm. And like that is one where you could like bundle something together if if TKO wants to do su- such a thing. Very good. Um, yeah, thank you for that. And OK, uh, moving on. Uh... SmackDown already at, answered the question I had about Jay Cargill about like who should who could she face uh, specifically at WrestleMania and I think we have that answer already painted already kind of cast out there but mm-hmm. uh, another question about possible incoming people uh, this may have been brought this was definitely brought up uh, on recent shows in the Post Perez family but what are the chances that the mystery men that attacked Jay White were both were the Bullet Club War Dogs with David Finley in the Devil Mask? Possible. Anything's possible right now. Yeah. Um. So David Finley attacking Juice. Sorry, Jay White with the while um framing MJF and and what's the end uh, match or or feud that you would get out of that? I imagine the focus would be this new version of Bullet Club taking out Bullet Club Gold and putting Bullet Club Gold on the sidelines so that we get They a... didn't, though. Well, I mean, it does call back to Jay's uh, Loser Leaves New Japan match, right, with Eddie Kingston? That's where... not an AEW story. Well, I mean, you kind of have... They're they playing the New Japan characters. Right. And they, they didn't put them on the shelf yet or on the sidelines yet, but that could happen in full gear, potentially. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, like... Given the lack of follow up, this I mean, it's been mentioned. I think they they have to pay that off at some point. But I I think they really lost a lot of the the wind in the sails of that angle by having Jay just he, he's back a week later. He's not selling the effects. It's yeah. I don't know. It, it just kind of took some of the drama out of it. But it is a loose end. They do need to tie up. Well, I, I imagine they'll they'll do another attack at some point. Maybe this one that the second attack. Serious. Yeah, not necessarily on Jay White. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, they're masked. You know, they, they they can pop up multiple times. I think it needs to be if you're going to try to, you know, like make this feel like a big thing. I mean, it could be a group that they just they start attacking other people, too. It doesn't have to be limited to Jay White. I mean, it could just be this group that everyone assumes it's MJF and then it, you reveal it and it's a longer reveal. 
just going back to the Warthogs, I mean, I I guess someone some of that is dependent on like how popular they might be with an AEW audience. I don't know if they're that big right now to an AW audience, you know, uh, who are we talking about? Clark Connors and all that. Like they're just even trying to, they're just trying to establish themselves in new Japan. Like it's, yeah, it's bullet club versus bullet club, but I don't know if that's that attractive these days when you're talking about like two pretty like derivative, like lesser than versions of the bullet club, you know, this is how you salvage it. Okay. The next attack kick someone's head off and it's Nakajima under the mask. Okay. All things are set safe. <laughs> and then MJF has to defend the title against Nakajima. Okay. What if they attack Carblade and it's like not either they cut off Carblade's head or if, uh, they, shouldn't that they, be reserved for the acclaimed and there's scissors. Oh, maybe. But what, what if like Alice Coughlin like cuts through the center of Carblade and just pokes his head through the center of it with his bug out eyes like he's uh, Jack Torrance in The Shining? Could work like that. These are, these are all valid ideas, Brian. <laughs> yeah, but, that, okay. You know, could, could all come to well, uh, fruition. Well, one last question, then I'll hang up. And it's movie talk. Uh, what are your thoughts on the trailer release this week for The Iron Claw? Oh, I wanted to talk about that tonight, actually. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Brian. So, there was a screening in June and I had heard like the some who had seen it, like it didn't sound like all that promising. And I'm going into this movie with the expectation that I will probably be let down by this film. It's just, I, I think anytime you are adapting something to a movie and you really do know the story, it's, it's going to uh, leave a lot of holes. That said, I thought this trailer was really good. I thought that they um, Fritz comes across like, way more dark than I think you were maybe anticipating him being portrayed as, yep. um, you know, the casting, I, I think the casting was, was pretty good. Like they've got some, you know, serious names attached to this. I love the fact they have blue oyster called here in the, in the trailer on top of it. So I would say if you're a wrestling fan and you're just going based off the trailer, I think it would be enough to, um, make you want to see this movie. So, um, I, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the, we we will see how it holds up. It's just, it's such a complicated, complex story that I don't think 90 minutes is going to do justice to, but regardless, it's, uh, I think something that wrestling fans will be intrigued by. If, if you're aware of the Von Erics, like we are several generations removed from this. I, I think the experience of watching this film is going to be very different for, you know, like, like a, somebody who knows deeply the story and, and like historians or people that are just kind of stepping in and, and, and experiencing it for the first time. Um, but I have high hopes just for it as, as a movie itself. Like A24 is a pretty serious, you know, film studio. I, uh, they, they, um, produced the, uh, uh, Academy, uh, uh, everything everywhere all at once, the Academy Award uh, winner this year. So, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it, uh, quite a bit. I, I thought the, you know, it looked, it looked good. Like the, the, the trailer. And I think, um, more importantly, it's going to expose a lot of people to the story that didn't know about it before. Maybe not to the depth of like, you know, maybe even the dark side of the ring episode, but, um, a lot more people are going to be checking out the dark side of the ring episode as a result. So I, uh, the, the, it tells me b- between the studio and the cast that this is going to be like given a really good effort. And those are at least my hopes. It's also the kind of movie though, that I think it, it's, you know, it, we're already talking about a very niche film. Like I wouldn't have high aspirations for this at the box office, but if you couple the fact that if the strike is still ongoing and they can't even get out and promote this thing, it's really going to hurt oh. this. Like the fact this is coming out in, I, like where it is, like I, I'm sure the, the expectations are not that high to begin with, but that's just going to be another, like you're not even going to be able to get that word. John, I just wanted to add on that actually. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, I, I read a while ago that uh, they worked out a deal because it's A24 and other studios not associated with the AMPTP or whatever that mm. the cast has been granted uh, permission to promote the movie when around the time it comes out. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so yeah, they, they seem exempt. They're like a studio that's actually right because they exempt. do have the exemptions that various uh, like independent st- studios have. Okay, well then that's that's at least one thing that's uh, going for it if they can yeah, promote it. I, I, I shared the same thoughts about A24 producing like quality films and this Beth and this story. So hopefully it'll turn out good and, or hopefully I'll like it. And uh, hopefully, um, or maybe uh, I know Marshall Von Eric uh, tweeted about like the uh, aspect of God and religion in the story and how that was true to their family story. So maybe it'll appeal to that audience too. So who knows? But uh, yeah, thanks for taking my many questions. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Brian, weekend. as always. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Let's go up. Lastly, for our phone calls, a lot of great calls tonight. So, Hansi, close. Don't break tomorrow. the streak. I'm sorry. No, I, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I mean, if, if the uh, if the discourse has done one thing for me uh, this past week, because even I had I couldn't take it, so I actually went out and did open mic for a stand-up comedy. Whatever. What? No way. At, at, at Comedy Bar yesterday, it was like, a late night show and uh yeah people were digging it but i wasn't like the best congrats man that's like that's awesome that, that takes a lot to uh, go up there and, and do something cold had like you that. done it before uh well i mean i i guess you can say like me performing on streaming or being on different shows right you know what i mean because i was on like this guy this guy's familiar with you guys matt binder he's like he's a wrestling fan but he also covers politics so I was talking to him this past week, and I said calling into post wrestling and your shows because like I, I have like a lot of like I, I don't like boring you guys with my political thing, whatever, right? But I try to explain to him my dumbed down philosophy about like how I was dumbed down, so I can like kind of articulate how you know uh, people can be lured into like like propaganda throughout like the 2010s because like this past week, uh, like it's a remix of Bush era rhetoric plus 2010s misinformation where like they're intertwining and it's like you can't tell what's real anymore and you have and if you have empathy for you know both sides like you know of like the citizens at least you're getting heat from like bad faith actors who are telling you you're not pure enough so you know what i mean like i so my heart goes out to everyone affected you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it it was just it was a cool thing to do whatever you know um Mm -hmm. which, which just ties into uh, about the MJF stuff and just like wrestling's history a little bit, I'll, I'll just I'll just say like I think what makes it different now is that because a lot of these um like on like a lot of these wrestlers are terminally online themselves and everything they do is like dissected. Like if Kevin Kelly promotes like a Sound of Freedom poster on his Facebook, it's going to be discourse. If Bailey has Jordan Peterson's book, um like being read, whatever, all of a sudden it's discourse, right? So I'm I'm saying that like. In the midst of all this, I'm willing to like. I'm willing to like. If MGF has a good vision for it, I'm willing to see how he does it. But like with like the with the way that I feel like a lot of people in the wrestling world have like, you know, fundamentalist mindset with some of their like current issues. It, it does make it harder. It makes it uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Because I I just look at like I I don't know if Tony Khan's intent was to like push like accounts to like be more racist towards Swole, but the the amount of venom that got sent her way from that kind of stuff. And like, I, I don't think that was the intent. Like, I, no, I but, no, but I, I'm saying, but like, I, it's not the intent, but that's like the right. reaction. And he mm-hmm. kind of like, by being this character online, 
he kind of amplifies it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I don't blame him because I feel like WWE, they do the, they do their shit as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I understand that kind of thing, but I feel like by constantly being online and constantly like, you know, like giving like, you know, the entertainment dollar more focus, I feel like it takes away from your product. And I know people who, again, if people who haven't lived through the attitude era and this is, you're enjoying this, Hey, that's cool. I, 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 I can understand that what the culture is new for a lot of people, but because I feel like, like over the last 20 years, like the discourse, whenever it overshadows, it's like the product of it, it's, it just seems more and more the product doesn't fucking matter anymore. You know what I mean? And it feels like people are more focused, like, like by putting focus on Cena and Taker, not being on a show with a million viewers. Yeah, you're also putting attention to Edge, who hasn't wrestled for a show that got six hundred thousand viewers or three hundred thousand on a collision. Like you're, like you're, like you're pissing on your own main event guy. And I, I, I really hope the guy can. Like, he's tweeting like he's tweeting like it's me, like against Howard Stern when like I would rash irrationally go at you know go go at people. You know what I mean? And it's one thing for me, but like no one's like I'm not in charge of a company, and this guy is like leading by example. So to me at least. I'm, I I want to see where it goes with like the MJF stuff, and I really hope that he does like you know do it in a tasteful way, whatever. But I I don't blame people for not like you know giving carte blanche to shit. You know what I mean? Because like, just look at ACH man, he got like he got exiled for calling out racism and wrestling, and, and 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 now you don't even hear from him anymore, really. You know what I mean? And it 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 sucks because there's a lot of people that throw vitriol, even if the companies don't intend on that happening. And before I go, uh, I, I, when Brian was mentioning, uh, um, you know, who could be behind the, the the whole bully club attack and all that, um, I'm not saying that this is true, but I I, I saw a good post about how uh, they thought that maybe it could be like maybe this whole CM Punk thing has been like a grand kind of work for them, whatever. I'm not saying it is, but that would be kind <laughs> like of you're cool. just gonna throw it out there. Honestly. If 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 if, if, if he attacked, it's not, I mean, it's not gonna be CM Punk. Oh, it was not gonna be CM Punk, but I thought like with Jay White being attacked. I was with you guys on the fact that it wasn't a long enough attack. But if it if it wasn't MJF, then that would mean that the guy who attacked Jay White didn't want him hurt enough because he knew he was putting a target on MJF's back on MJF's back because MJF's not a trustworthy guy. So I, I don't feel it's MJF because I think if MJF uh, it was MJF, I think he would have actually got rid of Jay White like even longer. And I think the fact that Jay White's there is supposed to put more of a target on you know on on mgf so i'm thinking it's gonna probably end up being cole you know what i mean and honestly i'm not liking these roddy and cole segments you know what i mean this is this is me but i i think yeah i don't think it's gonna be mgf i just think it's gonna be cm punk i mean i i I would put that out there but i mean no 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 don't put it out there okay i'm sorry all right man that's cool, man. And and listen, uh, thanks for um, you know, over the years being motivation for me to have more confidence. Your your shows helped me get confidence back, where I feel like it was a step to get get into finally doing stand up comedy, even if it lasts or not. I don't know if it will, but uh, thank you for helping me find my confidence back and not putting me in a in a Howard Stern position and making me a character that you know just loses his mind and all that kind of stuff. But you know. I need to change the gimmick up a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but thanks again. Awesome. Uh, so um, I, I love your shows this past weekend. Peace out. Hansi, I mean, again, I, I, you're, you provided this for yourself. 
you know, you're the one who decided to call in. You're the one who decided to, you know, um, like, I think be a very entertaining caller that a lot of people look forward to. So you, you, you don't really have to, like, we, you don't have to thank us at all. Well, I know, I, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you guys are the sole reason, but I mean, you guys have helped. No, 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 no. Guys... We're like 95% of the reason. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. 95%. <laughs> like, I, I mean, listen, like leading, getting a handsy chant at your gathering, man, like that, like I, I never thought that would happen. Like that last time that happened was at a Howard Stern event where I beat, I beat the bodyguard, Ronnie, the rock, Ronnie, the limo driver in a, in, in a uh, arm wrestle. And that was like the last time I really got cheered for. Now something. you're addicted. You're addicted to the pop. Yeah. And now you're now. This there is were all so you many for. people opening their mouths, chanting at Hanzi that I contracted COVID from that chant. So, I mean, that that's how <laughs> yeah. many people were like, just letting their, uh, did oh, you yeah. get COVID after that? Yeah, that's when right I got after. Our... Oh no, I'm sorry, I forgot. I didn't put the time it was that together. Week. It was that week. Anyway, well, Hansi, congrats, man. That's like that's a real cool thing that you uh, uh, got up there and do that. So, uh, let, and what are your let, dates? Let me and Wayne know next what time are... you uh, you have a big uh, open mic night. Yeah, what are your tour dates here? This is probably the, the guy who did the open mic at Comedy Bar. He told me, "Yo, come back. That was a really good, entertaining set. Like it was like a there you go. It, it, it was like a late it was like a late night talk show set." Where you, you either sit down on the couch and just converse with them, or do three minutes and all that kind of stuff. And I was messing up, but I kept like ad libbing to like make myself more interesting, so people were actually laughing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, but I, again, but uh, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate that. Peace out. All right, thank, thank you, Hansi. Appreciate it. We have uh, two pieces of feedback here, and I'm in a giving. We, we have one piece of feedback, John. Well, I was I was going to take the the one, but uh, I'll, we'll, we'll just go to yeah. the star this week, Manny from Pacoima, a yes. very Elton Strong yes boy. SmackDown is pretty deadly once again. I'm very excited for Mystico's AEW debut. Yes, we didn't even talk about that. Mystico will be mm. on uh, Dynamite next week, uh, taking on Rocky Romero. So this will represent um, working work, uh, at least a relationship with CMLL. And uh, when the NWA World Historic Middleweight Champion faces off against the NWA World Historic Welterweight Champion in the pound for pound crown match, that referring to Rocky Romero. Hopefully, this partnership helps bring eyes to sound like to talent like Stephanie Vacour and Mascar Dorada. Tonight, Vakingo faced off against Swerve. This was at Defy's Primo Lucha Show. Lots of amazing shows taking place tomorrow night from Revolver, MLW, and GCW, which I will be at live to watch Santana Jackson moonwalk his way to victory. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. Um, as he mentioned, MLW has Slaughterhouse. GCW has Blood in the Hills, too. Also, um, our friends at West Coast Pro are doing their fifth anniversary show, and they brought in Kenta Kobashi for this show. And it's Saturday night, and they are streaming the whole show free on YouTube. So if, you, uh, if you're if you on a budget and want to watch, it looks like a really good card. Ultimo Dragons teaming with the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, Titus Alexander is defending the, the West Coast Pro title. Uh, Takumi Aroha is taking on Masha Slamovich. And uh, Kenta Kobashi will be doing whatever it is to celebrate West coast pros fifth uh, anniversary. So that's happening as well, but there's a ton of independent shows this weekend. Interesting. Who's going to take the chops? Is he going to do any chops? Uh, dude, I, I don't know if he's going to be doing any chops. Come on. One chop. Okay. We'll, we'll hey, see. By the way. Uh, so uh, mystical versus uh, Rocky Romero will be uh, on rampage next week. Oh, that's right. They're taping it Wednesday and it'll air on rampage. On right. Wednesday. Okay. So there you have it. Thank you. Man. Um, 
That is it for us. Saturday night, it's Collision Course with the the world-renowned Kate from Montreal and John Ceno as well coming at you on Saturday. Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord will have a review of Russell, Royal Quest 3. Uh, so those will be on the cafe. And then Sunday, MCU Later with Rich Fan and WH Park. And then the NWA Podcast. So look out for all of those shows this weekend. Thanks for all the great calls tonight and uh, people submitting their feedback. And have a great weekend. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.